Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number one super bow, guy. Bow, 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 bow. Well, all right. Mo with a with with a new setup, which we'll talk about in just a moment. I guess it comes along with a new Mo voice to start the show. <laughs> I don't know what to think yeah. about that. <laughs> oh, this 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 is my ASMR voice. Mm. We, we needed to break into that market. I mean, almost <laughs> anything to find new revenue streams. Let's just yeah, make right. it happen. Uh, just, just everything. Mo, this is the first episode of No Budget Nightmares in a little over a month. Uh, yeah. We've had a bit of a break. However, unlike other times where the break is probably for some terrible reason. <laughs> like, yeah, this one's actually for a good reason. Yeah, Mo is, has not been deathly ill, though you did have some back issues. I guess it actually has not I been a great s- time. I still do, man. Oh, man, I pulled my back uh about a week ago and it's still in no condition it's man it sucks being a huge fat guy with fucking back problems now officially i always feel like you know look the fact is every time we do an episode we talk about mo's kind of weirdly distributed health issues which means that Mm. everyone should really count their blessing that every time another episode drops i mean it's a miracle that it ever comes together yeah yeah no no joke no fucking joke mo are you on any uh drugs uh, pain-killing drugs for this episode. You know, let me tell you something about the state I live in. Uh-huh, Florida. You know, there's a, yeah, there's this whole uh, opioid epidemic thing going on, so uh, doctors Still? are very... Are, <laughs> yes, they're very hesitant to give you anything, anything better than ibuprofen, so they gave me, you know, a handful of ibu, ibuprofen 800-milligram pills and some muscle relaxers that don't really seem to do much of anything for me. So, yeah, no, it's it's sucks. Well, uh, what doesn't suck, Mo, is your new setup. The reason it's been a little while since we were recording is that you have a brand new recording setup. Uh, and it means yeah. that we have a different way to play audio clips. It means that we're, mm-hmm. go- we're, we're we've moved on to Discord, a, a popular uh, audio uh, sharing and, and I guess also community building uh, piece of software that uh, yep. that within the past week, we've actually done a live broadcast uh for for listeners of the show who can actually come in and listen to us talk about a movie in real time just as a little test and that's something that Mm -hmm. now we can do whenever we want mo yeah and if they have a microphone they can come and join in the conversation it doesn't just have to be me and doug talking yeah as long as they're not a fucking idiot (laughs) yeah as long as you're not a fucking (laughs) troll oh no you can be a troll just don't be stupid about it that's Uh, true that's true if it's funny trolls i'm fine with that but what's great is mo you hold the power right if someone is coming in and they're they're talking a lot of shit um, yeah, you know, Mo, that brings to mind something. I feel a little. I've been feeling a little down lately. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, one of my other podcasts, I was checking out the iTunes feed for it, and it has a single review. I think this is a single Canadian review. And the person gave it one star out of ten. Uh, wow. And the reason they said is because I just don't like one of the hosts of the show, and I'm almost certain that they're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of hit my confidence. I was like, no, I'm pretty good at, at doing podcasting. And that person's like, not only are you not, the only thing I don't like about the show is you, and I'm going to give it the lowest possible mark. <laughs> wow. But but they didn't say you by name. They did didn't they? say me by name. But let's face it. Let's face it's it. You. No, it's baby. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> so this show, this if this episode lis- uh, listens, boy, maybe I don't deserve to do a podcast. If this le- episode, nah. if this episode, I'm giving the, I'm deciding on the iTunes right now. <laughs> one star. If this episode sounds a little different, uh, it should sound a little better. But uh, if it sounds a little different, it's because of this uh, new setup, and I. I'm comfortable already with it, Mo. I feel like it's already a big improvement, and it's a uh, huge improvement. And it probably will make editing a a, a, a bit of a, a an easier. Yeah, well, exactly. I wouldn't say a breeze. We still make a lot of weird noises <laughs> that need to be edited well, out of the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Live radio, this will never be. But you know. We're, we're, we're only half to blame for that. We also have, you know, wives in the background who like to talk and uh, we dogs do at that <laughs> children and children who like to scream. And, you know, I yeah, no, it'll never be a live situation, but, you know, it's good for what it is. Coming up next on No Budget Nightmares, it's the letter U and the numeral two. <laughs> These guys are from England. and Who gives a shit? Right, Mo? Right. Right. Mo, another reason that we're very excited is we're talking about a movie requested by one of our beloved listeners. Ah, another Patreon suggestion. The last one for a while, folks. <laughs> uh, and this one is not just a, a beloved listener. It's one of our longtime listeners and friend of the show. And mm-hmm. and this is one of the things I always love. Someone who actually has a relationship with the movie that we're talking about. I like how I say I love that. It does give us an opportunity to horribly insult someone who actually, you know, worked on a project. Uh, but this time it's our friend of the show, Fuck Robert. Your passion project. <laughs> exactly, right? Right? Which is kind of funny because in some ways that feeds into the theme of the movie mm. we're going to talk about, Mo. Oh. I, this movie made me think, Mo. It made me think about my purpose on this planet, the purpose of No Budget Nightmares. What, what, what kind of, what does it serve to the greater community uh, out there, Mo? And it, it, I think it's something we'll get to talk about before all is said and done. But this was chosen yeah. for us by a friend of the show, Robert Long. Uh, who, of course, had a relationship. Wait, when I say it like that, it makes it makes it seem like he had a sexual relationship. But what I mean is that he had a relationship, a professional relationship with Don Dohler, the director of all sorts of classic sci-fi and horror movies. Uh, what's the one that we covered on this show, Mo? What did we do? Blood Massacre. It was when we did the episode of No Budget Nightmares on Night Beast, Mo. Ah, yes, good old Night Beast. Good old Night Beast. But this time. We're actually moving uh, uh, further into the future, but still in our past, Mo. 2007, Dead Hunt. Uh, this is Don Dolder's final film before he passed away uh, tragically early from uh, cancer. And he co-directed this movie with Joe Ripple, who um, also a, a very prolific uh, low-budget filmmaker. And also, Joe appears in this movie in an acting role as well, Mo. Acting! (laughs) Some of this stuff I'm going to say to you, Mo, and you're going to be surprised to hear it, and that's because I did, as I often do, because, you know, when people think of the No Budget Nightmares podcast and our relationship in particular, Mo, they Mm. think of me as the professor. I'm Professor Doug. Can I be Marianne? Yeah, you're Mary. No, you're the rest. (laughs) I'm the rest. (laughs) 
Now, I'm the professor, so I went ahead and listened to the commentary on 2007's Dead Hunt to get a little extra insight into its creation. Mo, hey, we had a month. I guess I had enough time to go the extra mile. It's Yeah, it's funny. We had a, we had a month for you to go the extra mile, yet you still did it today. <laughs> I was listening to it literally 20 minutes ago, but and the sound was off, but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> wow. Mo, it's Dead Hunt from the year 2007. We're, we're back, so it's time for us to jump into this movie that someone requested sure. us talk about. Uh, Dead Hunt, actually, let's talk about it in more of a general terms before we get into the detail, Mo, because this is kind of an interesting, this is sort of a postmodern slasher movie. Is it? It well, sort I mean, of is. It does yeah. kind of comment on on the kind of fandom around horror. Uh, in this case, it even features uh, bloggers, Mo. You can tell that this is a modern movie. It has people who are bloggers who review movies, kind of like how we do it, Mo. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I when they started introducing themselves and like they were all like, you know, this is my name, but but this is what I go by on, uh-huh. on the uh-huh. uh, on the set. Like it reminded me so much of of uh, Daily Grindhouse. It just made me laugh because so, like you were Sweetback for the I longest was Sweetback time. over at DailyGrindhouse.com. Uh, and Mo, what was your name? Mine was Mo Porn. Mo Porn. Because, <laughs> but I thought that was your real name. Um, it was my real name. But. Uh, some longtime listeners are already probably aware of this, but uh, newer listeners might not be aware that a lot of review sites, horror and cult review sites, they had uh, reviewers who had pseudonyms on the sites themselves. And uh, I think probably the most famous one would be Ain't It Cool News, um, which, of course, no one goes to anymore because of all that stuff. Yep. <laughs> but uh, but and, and the people who are involved with that, they all use different names like Quint and uh, Vern and and. That, that's kind of how they were known. And so the characters in this movie, the victims, they are all reviewers for a website, and they all have their pseudonyms as well. Though it's kind of strange. They do introduce those pseudonyms at the beginning of the movie, and then they never use them in the rest of the movie at all. Yeah. It is just one of those things, Mo, as Limp Bizkit once said. I don't think that's how the song goes, but no, okay. Probably. It's all about the he said, <laughs> she said bullshit. Wow, that's right? more Limp Biscuit than I ever want to appear on this show. All right, well, there's going to be plenty more, so you <laughs> just course. you just sit tight, Mo. Uh, but the other thing about this is because it is kind of got of a postmodern edge to it. Um, you know, it's sort of in the wake, well, in the wake of a movie like Scream that comments in some way about the creators of the horror movies that we all love and enjoy, and in this particular case, those who comment on those creations. Uh, mm. And I think that's a really interesting perspective to take i kind of wish that they lean into that a little bit more but we'll talk about that as we go along mo hey mo is there a movie that this movie reminded you of um i well i mean let's see it takes place entirely within a warehouse Uh uh-huh uh there's a bunch of you know actors Uh doing doing their best so every Todd Sheets movie ever? Uh, I guess it would remind you of something like that. But you know, movie, yeah. <laughs> movie, that's what I called you, Mo. You know, Mo, the movie that this most reminded me of was a Vincent Price classic, Theater of Blood, oh. where, where uh, Vincent Price, um, he is a Shakespearean actor who tracks down and murders his critics. I see. Right? And that's what this movie is kind of about. It's about killing critics, which I take Great offense, Admo. <laughs> yeah, who is this guy supposed to be? Uwe Boll? Yeah, well, wouldn't it be funny if they uh, this movie uh, uh, killed all of the critics in a boxing ring? <laughs> like Uwe Boll did. 
Right. Mo, from the year 2007, it's Dead Hunt, uh, co-directed by Joe Ripple and Don Dohler. The movie starts proper with Time Warp Films present a Don Dohler production, a Joe Ripple, Don Dohler film. It, I will admit, I, I felt a little... I felt a, a a certain amount of emotion just realizing that this is the last Don Dohler film, right? I mean, it is yeah. a very kind of uh, uh, bittersweet feeling to, you know, be enjoying something, but knowing um, that that this would be the last one that, that anyone would be able to experience. Uh, we talked about the, the documentary on Don Dohler. Uh, what is it? It's Blood, Boobs, and Beasts. Is that right? Blood, boobs, and it's beasts. Yeah, I think it's it's the three Bs. Yeah, the three Bs, the documentary about Don Dollar, which actually has a lot of footage from the creation of Dead Hunt, because obviously he was ill. Uh, and, and I'm not sure when his, his diagnosis occurred, but uh, but certainly he passed away soon after the making of this movie. Mm. Dead Hunt, Mo. Uh, what do you think about this title? Um, It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but I have no real issue with it. It's, I feel like it's kind of generic, but mm. I like that it, it. when you find out why it's called that, uh, it kind of, it gives it an extra layer. Uh, so I, I wasn't, at, at first I was a little bit, eh, I'm not sure about this title, but then by the end I was like, okay, I get it. I get it, Mo. Yeah, I mean, it's there's enough information within the film to understand the title. That doesn't mean they could have, couldn't have called it something different. <laughs> That's 100% correct, actually. Yeah. So this movie begins, Mo, with a flash forward. So this is uh, a thing that you see in a lot of movies where the action actually takes place later in the film, and then we see a little bit of that action, and then it flashes back to the, uh, you know, nine hours earlier in this case, I think it is, and then they, yeah. we see the action lead up to that. What do you, what do you think about that, that kind of way of telling a story, Mo? Um, I don't know. I, I it, It's not my favorite way to tell a story, but it works. You know, they're basically, they're saying like, look, this action's going to happen later. And that's cool. Cause I'm showing you, I'm showing it, it to you now, but they could have just waited to show me at the same time. And it would have been just as fine. Although I, I mean, like if they had just started with them, like driving along on the side, on the side of the road, I mean, there's even more movies that start that way. So maybe it's for the better. I'm going to give the movie credit that it's trying to do something different, but the only problem right. in a movie like this, when you do it, is that since it doesn't catch up to that point until there's only 20 minutes left in the movie, it gives yeah. away you know some of the characters that survive up to that point. And in this movie where you know they're, they're slicing and dicing very early on and, and characters are dying uh, very quickly, it kind of it, it kind of it ruins some of the surprise, I think, particularly because the characters that we see in this opening are the characters that make it to the very end of the movie. Right. Yeah. So in this case, the flash forward starts with two people bursting into a room, uh, uh, um, an African-American man and a woman. She has a wound on her arm. Mo, who are these characters? Well, this is Sean. Uh, he is the the African-American gentleman, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe his name is Slam Dance. Slam Dance. And uh, he is running with, I could never get it quite right if her name was Laura or Lauren. It's Laura. Okay, so half of my notes are wrong then. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she, she she's, has the wounded arm. And the uh, girl who we see running around in just a black t-shirt is uh, Aiden Kramer, mm. a.k.a. AK-47. <laughs> That's right. And we see her very briefly in this opening yeah. sequence. So Sean and Laura... 
they're basic. She's wounded. They sit down for a second. He says that they should keep moving because they're a little exposed. She wants to wait just a moment. They look over. There's a black bag on the ground, Mo. And then the camera slowly zooms into the bag, and then we go nine hours earlier. You know, now that I think about it, this this opening sequence doesn't really provide much of a purpose at all. No, it does give a little bit of a fake out for later on in the movie. That's but it true. Been a, it would have been a better fake out if Sean didn't say again. You know, when he said, oh, there's Blake's bag again. Right. You know, like if he had just said, oh, why is Blake's bag here? You know, or something to that effect. Like, the because that scene happens twice, you know, not counting the here at the beginning. So, like, we have the fake out where he first sees Blake's bag and then he sees Blake's bag again. So then we go to nine hours earlier. It's Sean and Blake. Uh, who you've just been referring to his back constantly. Sean and Blake are driving in a truck, Mo. They say they're running late. So who's Blake? Let's talk about Blake first. Blake is a um, muscular Asian man. Mm-hmm. I forgot what his name was on the, on the site. Witch Hunter. Witch Hunter. Mm, <laughs> That's kind go. of a yeah. stupid fucking name. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, come on, at least be cool about it and call yourself Witchfinder General. Yeah, there you go. And also, that would have played into the whole Vincent Price thing I was just referring to. See? Now, <laughs> Sean and Blake, so let's let's talk about this just for a second. Sean and Blake, they write for a website that reviews horror movies. That's their deal, right? And both Mo and I can relate to this very, um, I think, very directly. Yeah. What's interesting, Mo, about all the writers that we see in this movie? Uh, there might not be something immediately. I was going to say, is this a trick question? It is a bit of a trick question, so I'm just going to jump ahead to the answer. Please. Which, which is that, for the most part, they're all young and attractive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all know that that's not the case at not, all. Does not reflect reality. Uh, I can't believe there wasn't just at least one fat, hairy guy in there. It seems like you'd have to... Look, you could kill him off quick. In fact, that's almost certainly how it would play out in real life. But I wanted one fat, hairy guy, Mo. Yeah. Just one! Yeah, these guys did all seem a little, well, with the exception of one of the guys, all seemed a little too cool, you know, for, for their school. own good. Yeah, yeah I agree. School. So Sean and Blake are good friends. They write for the site. They've known each other for a long time, and they actually work together even. But they are running late to this little event that they're headed to, Mo. Let's hear a little bit. Let's, let's hear about uh, some of their interplay. Come on, Sean. This is the third year we've been to HorrorCon, and we've known Dave, what? Seven years? Just because Dave knows we're always late doesn't mean the others do. Don't sweat it. Everyone from Horror DVD Zone, whoever they are, they'll wait for the two best reviewers on the site. Man, who are you kidding? Everyone thinks they're one of the two best reviewers on the site. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you straight up, I never once thought I was one of the best reviewers on Daily Grindhouse. I'm like, ah, my reviews are shit. I I thought I was prolific, never thought I was any good. Uh, but so, you know, th- these guys have a big ego. No, they're just joking around. They're good friends. They write for Horror DVD Zone, which honestly is a, is a um, clunky enough name to be believably a popular website in 2007. True. True. Um, and they head to a warehouse, Mo, called LNS Snack Foods, where this party of all of these reviewers is going on. So a- a- as you probably got from that beginning, that little opening clip, they're headed to meet up with the other reviewers for the site, and then they're going to go to a horror convention the next day together. So it's just an opportunity for these guys to meet each other for the first time, except for Sean and Blake, who know each other already. 
Yeah, I believe they both know Dave already. They know Dave. Dave is the guy who yeah. runs the site. But we're gonna we're gonna uh, break down all of the cast in just a second because they're all gonna be introduced. So they pull into the parking lot and they know they're a little late. And I like that. I think Sean says definitely a lot of people here. And of course, there's only ten people like, in the entire movie. <laughs> hey, it's a lot for a movie like this. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, getting ten. Uh, you know, movie reviewers in the same spot, it, it would be like herding cats. I mean, just think but about total- the smell at the very least. Oh, I don't even want to. <laughs> Please. Uh, Blake, uh, he's going inside. He grabs that bag, Mo, this this important bag, because he says his laptop is inside. Ooh, what a nerd! I know, right? Right. The, the- what are you talking about? It, 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 back then, that bag was his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> and his cell phone. Oh. He just pulls out like the... The antenna and just starts talking into the side of the bag. It's a cellular phone. Anyway, um, so they go inside and Dave meets them at the door, Mo. And who is this Dave fella? Uh, Dave? It's it's hard to describe him. He's he, he acts a lot with his eyes closed, which is really weird. But he's, you know, he's like the host of everything. He's uh, the guy who runs the site. Um a little squirrely. I don't know. Plain. White <laughs> dude. Not much to say about him, honestly. No. He's he's kind of nondescript. Uh, but he's a little nondescript. But he, he apparently his folks or his dad ran this warehouse. And now him and his sister, Laura, who we got introduced to in that little bit at the very beginning, they run the site now. He's kind of like the main guy who runs it. And she does, I guess, the, some of the website design. So they walk in. Uh, they talk a little bit about be- running late, and then Laura runs it up to them and hugs Sean. So she likes Sean, this Laura. Uh, she has a camera, Mo, uh, and she's mm-hmm. filming, I guess, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. And then uh, Dave announces the two of them to the crowd that is already rocking and rolling at this bitchin' party, Mo. So uh, Dave does introductions for each uh, each one of the people, and I guess uh, this would be a good time to run down the entire cast of characters, Mo, and maybe give them a little bit of a descriptor so uh, we'll know who they are when we talk about them a little bit later. Uh, I have them all listed, Mo. Do you? No. In <laughs> fact, in fact, my note my notes literally just say they go around getting introduced to all the other writers. Next, I will tell you the writers. The writers are yes. Stephen the General Grant. The general is his nickname. He is uh, his his only defining attribute is that he's very tall. Mo, apparently, this actor was uh, six seven or six eight. Very tall gentleman. It's true. He is very tall. Then there's Matt Hackmaster Hargraves, um, and I guess he's a expert in Euro trash. Mo, in fact, his little introduction sounds a little like this. Hey, buddy, love the Euro trash. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's what wow. it sounds like. <laughs> that you know what that sounds like? That sounds like when like you see like people at like an art exhibit and they're like, "Oh, isn't this just f- fantastic? Oh, it's the best!" <laughs> I will know? say that one of the limitations of this movie is that you sometimes get the impression that the actors don't really understand what they're saying, and right. th- that comes out in one particular example. But even here, right? I mean, this is there's a movie mo. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Have you ever watched the movie The Dead Hate the Living? No. So there's a movie called The Dead Hate the Living, which is very much built as a tribute to Lucio Fulci movies. And it it's an entertaining movie. It's very violent. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, directed by a guy named Dave Parker. And But what's notable about it is that the dialogue constantly has references 
to other movies in it. So one of the characters will will directly refer to Bruce Campbell or Lucio Fulci or a David Warbeck or something like that, which is fun, but it can get a little irritating. So you don't right. always want to be like that level of meta in, in a movie like this. However, these people are supposed to be experts on horror movies, and the only movies they ever refer to in this movie are fake horror movies. Right. Yeah. That, it's just something that, that I feel like they could have leaned into that, like the expertise of horror, but it, you kind of get the impression that like there aren't a lot of people who are experts in horror making this movie. Mm. Mo, you don't have to feel strongly about it, but I do. <laughs> I promise I'm awake. I know you are, Mo. So the yeah. next, we're introduced then to a husband and wife. Uh, it's Nick Slash and Burn Keller and his wife, uh, Sari Keller. And uh, she, she makes very clear that her name is pronounced Sari, not Sori. And as a Canadian, Mo, this is very difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> but she is, she's not a writer for the site. She's uh, uh, a long-suffering wife. Of, of Nick Keller. Nick is actually played by Joe Ripple, the co-director of this movie. And this is a little behind-the-scenes info, Mo, just for you. Please. The reason that Joe plays this uh, role is because the original actor dropped out after after they had already started filming, in fact. Uh, mm. So he was not originally supposed to play this character, which, now that you know that fact, Mo, it probably makes some of this movie make a little more sense. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but Nick and uh, Sari, they constantly are kind of sniping at each other. That's their defining uh, uh, element. Then we get uh, introduced to uh, Rochelle uh, R.I.P. Page, or she goes by Rip, and she is a, uh, a black woman. Uh, and uh, I think, I can't remember who goes up and says to her, her post on exploding head effects was awesome, and she goes, the bloodier, the better. I mean, she's not wrong. She should have, I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to give everything away. I wish she lasted longer in the movie. She's a good character. And a, I, I wish that she was the one who survived. I mean, she's she seems like she's a better actor than most of the people in the movie. And well, I was a little surprised that they kill her off very early on. Yeah, she's and, and like like you were saying, the character's awesome. You know, like they don't get to flesh her out too much, and that would have been nice to uh, to have gotten to know her as a person better than just this sort of like online persona. And the last uh, that are introduced now is Aiden Kramer, who you mentioned before, Mo, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. AK-47. And she shows her interest in uh, Blake very early on, Mo. In fact, they have this little exchange. This is so cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, since everyone's here, guess I'll give my speech now. So I'm not very good at picking up on vibes, Mo, but I can tell you from that little bit of dialogue, these two want to fuck each other. Hachi machi, do they ever. Yeah, like, in fact, it seems that all she came to this event for was for the opportunity to fuck Blake, and they uh, they keep getting cock-blocked by circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all she wants to do is, is fuck the witch finder master quartermaster. It's Witch Hunter, Mo. Oh, that's it. Blake yeah, Witch Hunter Proctor, of course. Yeah, it's a Proctor. Yeah, he really looks like a Blake Proctor. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. It doesn't mean <laughs> anything at all. So Dave uh, then gives a speech to everybody, talking about how there's been three years since Laura and Dave started the site, uh, and now he's going to bring out a special guest before they enjoy the food. Uh, by the way, the food is just like, <laughs> you know, vegetable plates and... 
and yeah. soda. Hey, it is what it is. It's kind of reflective of what one of these real things might be like. Uh, and then he tells everybody he's going to introduce the guest, and he wants everyone to get to bed early because he wants them all at Horicon at 9, and he wants to be the first in line because he's a big fucking dork. Yep. As this little talk is going on, we get little snippets, Mo, and these snippets are meant to set up red hearings. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very important. So one of them is that Aiden is getting some food, and she turns around, and she runs right into the chest of the general, the very tall guy. And he goes, happens all the time, but he says it like a real creepo. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they could they could have made this... <laughs> this red herring go a little longer than they did. No kidding, right? Why even yeah. set up a red herring if you're going to kill him off literally 10 minutes into the movie? Right, exactly. You know, like, like this whole movie kind of reminds me of... Um, do you remember the ghost story in Role Models that uh, 80 Miles tells around the campfire? I don't, no. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, I mean, it's basically it's it's super lame, and like it ends up being like, oh, it's Toby, the pizza boy who delivered the pizza earlier in the film, you know, <laughs> and like and there's th- like th- this whole movie is like it's like a hour and a half version of that joke where like, you know, like they they set stuff up and it just doesn't go where it probably should have. It's it's kind of a difficult thing because one of the the most frustrating things about this movie for me is that it is trying to misdirect you. But in trying to misdirect you, it accidentally directs you to what, what... Because the people watching this movie would be very familiar with horror movies. So yeah. when things are obviously red herrings, then what you're trying to look at is, well, what's not the most obvious thing? And then it's like, oh, now I get it, right? Yeah. So I figured this movie out halfway through, and I'm like, that's what it has to be. And guess what, Mo? It was. I'm not trying to to uh, to blow my own uh, trumpet. I'm just saying <laughs> that that sometimes when you try hard to trick people, it ends up having the op- uh, opposite effect. Right. As we'll see in just a little bit. Uh, so, by the way, I love that what Sari says about the general where she goes, God, that's the tallest nerd I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Nick and Sari, they have a little argument. I wonder how then... many people have said that about you. Oh, <laughs> pretty much everyone I've ever met, Mo. <laughs> that is the tallest nerd I've ever seen. <laughs> And then I go, hey, and they're like, what? And I'm like, I am not going to argue with you. (laughs) (laughs) Then we see Matt and Sean having a chat. And they just, you know, they're basically just complimenting each other on the reviews. Sean says he loves the detail in Matt's reviews, especially that European stuff. Your love of it really comes across. And and Matt goes, I guess all that book research I do at the library shows. What kind of fucking library is he going to looking up his Euro trash? Anyway, Mo. Yeah. they do have a very strange exchange. Let's listen to this. You know, Sean, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to get to know each other this weekend. Excuse me a minute. <laughs> now, let's just face it. And this is mentioned in the commentary. That line reading comes off as extremely homoerotic. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not supposed to. I honestly, legitimately, before I realized what was actually happening... Uh, thought that Matt was going to try to be hitting on Sean the entire time. Yeah, which I would, right? which I would have been I would have been totally cool with. Honestly, <laughs> that would have made that would have made aspects of this movie significantly better if they had this like guy constantly trying to hit on one one of the other dudes there. But you know, yeah, it but did that, come off very homoerotic, right? And they mentioned that in the commentary, but it, it's weird because apparently it's just 
you know, it's just supposed to be leaning into the red herring aspect a little bit. But by doing that, they accidentally <laughs> created this undertone that does not play out at all for the rest of the movie. Right. Exactly. They, you know, I, I, I guess they probably told the actor to go a little bit more sinister and it just didn't quite work out. So Matt then, he said, like, uh, excuse me a minute, and he goes over and helps Laura, who has her camera, the video camera, and he's uh, there's a, a tape jammed in the camera. Yes, folks, these cameras used to have little tapes in them. Um, and he helps her unjam it and get it working again, and she asks him, are you into camcorders? And he goes, I tinker a little. And then she goes, do you have a camera? And then he doesn't answer, Mo. Gosh, what's all this supposed to mean in a movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then David brings out his special guest, the star of Stakes, Stakes to the Revenge. It's Raven Rinaldi Mo, a scream queen. No joke. It took me half the movie to figure out what the hell her name was because the way he screams her name. I know, I know. No idea. Now, I'm going to tell you, Mo, about a little resource that's out there. Uh, very useful for people who write about films. It's called the Internet Movie database yeah well I and it has it's like a movies. database of information fun, about movies <laughs> fun fact fun fact i don't i don't write about movies well i imagine you were writing notes i would hope for this movie no it's just all off the dome off the dome well hardly well fuck me then <laughs> well this is raven rinaldi uh she's played by uh liana chamish uh who also uh, did a lot of behind-the-scenes shooting for a lot of Don Dollar movies. Was in like many of him, and uh, in particular, uh, the co-director uh, Joe Ripple's movies as well. And yeah, so she's legitimately in real life a scream queen. So who better to play a scream queen in this movie, Mo? I liked her. She uh, is basically gives a little speech to everybody, and she says that for each one of them, she has a um, a signed copy of the latest issue. A femme fantastique magazine featuring her on the cover, Mo. Why is this important? Um, it's not. It is, Mo. It's very, very important. And the reason it is is because oh. the, mm-hmm, this yeah, prop, okay. this magazine prop, was created by Robert Long, who requested this movie. Yeah. Hey, that's great. I think it looks no, it's good. All, it's it's awesome. I'm just a little annoyed with myself that it took me that long to fucking remember. <laughs> hey, Mo, I don't expect you to put two and two together. Yeah, right. Because everybody knows that's five. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, so then Aiden, uh, she's talking to Blake. Remember, they love to flirt. Um, she says that AK is her initials, which is why she goes by AK-47. Aiden Kramer. Makes sense. Uh, and she says your screen name is better, which it's not. Remember, Witch Hunter is not better than AK-47. Yeah. He says that he works at this uh, warehouse as a grunt. He basically brings heavy things into the freezers. and I she seems the, pick things up and put them down. Yeah, he's a muscular dude. No doubt about it. Uh, and so uh, she, she seems a lot, very interested in checking out these freezers because what is more romantic than a cold room? Uh, and so they walk off to go look at some freezers. It gives them a chance to cuddle. They do, briefly. Uh, so Laura and Rochelle, they're talking to Raven Rinaldi. Uh, Rochelle basically kind of mocks her for uh, doing very traditional screen queen roles. Um, and, and in fact, let's hear a little bit of that dialogue here. It's great having you on the forum. You know, I really loved you in those stakes movies. Thank you so much. It's tough finding strong female roles in horror, but when I see them, I leap at them. I can imagine the crying run around in her bra type can be so cliche. I agree. 
See, I like Rochelle has attitude. She's like, you know, fuck you and your shitty Scream Queen movies. Again, I wish we had more of this character who... Everyone is kind of too complimentary in this movie, and I like someone that has a little bit more attitude. Right. Um, though, uh, again, she will, she will not be able to demonstrate that for long. Uh, we learned that the company, the warehouse uh, that they, they are in, belongs to a company called Lansing and & Son. Um, and then Raven, uh, being very disrespectful, tells Rochelle to get her a drink. And Rochelle yeah, that's kind looks, of, that was a little fucked up. A little fucked up! But, uh, but uh, you know, it's established kind of early on that Raven is kind of... Um, she, I think unstable is probably the best way to, to describe her. Uh, it's something that it plays into the rest of the movie, um, which is, it's important to establish that quickly because some of her decision-making a little later on is maybe not that, uh, not that uh, concrete. <laughs> so Aiden and Blake are looking at those freezers, Mo. And Blake uh, mentions that, you know, uh, dragging all that shit into the freezers, it keeps him in shape. And she says, he's not all muscle. <laughs> and and she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, there's more to you than that. So she's like flirting hard. Um, yeah. She wants to get in that freezer and get mad ruddy and stick. Get mad ruddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> she wants she wants uh, P in V action happening ASAP. Wow. Yeah, little AK forty seven witch hunter uh, copulation mo. Copulation. Copulation. I believe it's pronounced copulation, but yeah. Well, Good on you, I'm Mr. I know how to pronounce things. Uh, I, apo- I apologize if you keep stepping all over your Canadian accent. Hey, leave my pronunciation alone because <laughs> later on I have to make fun of someone else's pronunciation in a pretty heavy way. So I don't want to look like a hypocrite. Fair enough. Sean and Laura Mo, they're, yeah. chatt- they're chatting. And then Sari, no wait, her name isn't Sari, it's Sari. She interrupts them <laughs> and she's looking for the ladies room. Uh, she comes off as a giant. Uh, uh, what, what's the word, Mo? Bitch. Bitch, and um, and really is just kind of insulting to everyone she runs into. And then she just walks off to the bathroom. Then Stephen, the big, the big tall guy, the general, he comes over and he says that he wants to use the bathroom before getting to the hotel. Uh, and then she, they say, yeah, it's just down there. Just follow Sari. And then he makes a really creepy expression as he leaves Mo because he <laughs> he is a red herring. Except it's yeah. very not useful to have a red herring that is so distinctive visually because mm. you know immediately that it can't be the killer once you see the killer because the killer isn't fucking seven feet tall. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, Mo. Yeah. Hey, remember Aiden and Blake? Our two oh, I love do. Birds? Mm-hmm. I do. She really likes Blake's reviews. She says that he really gets it. And he goes, what can I say? I love the movies. And she thinks that he's sensitive and smart. And smart guys are sexy. And Mo, smart guys with big muscles are really sexy. Even sexier. Yeah. So, yeah, she is DTF. And even more specifically, she's DTFB. She's down to fuck Blake. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Mo, we get to see the... (laughs) She's DTFWH. Yes. Witch Hunter. That's right. (laughs) Mo, we get the first shot of our trench coat killer. Yeah. The, our killer, Mo, what does the killer look like in this movie? Tell us. Uh, well, let's see. He's, um, or she, because it, it is gender nondescript. Thank you, Mo. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, they're wearing all black, you know, black boots, black pants, black trench coat. Uh, they're wearing a black balaclava looking thing. Sure. Um, and then there's like red 
face paint around the eyes to give it that that much more of a sinister look. Yeah, so it looks kind of I mean, I think that they are going for the idea, I, the idea behind what the killer is supposed to look like is actually pretty cool. I'm more than okay with how the killer looks. To, to, uh, elaborate on that. What, what well, do you mean the idea? Well, okay. So, you know, I, like you, you've got the, the hooded killer, you know, he's wearing a cowl. He's, you know, uh, he, he doesn't have a cape. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, and he, it's all trench coat blacked out, yada, yada, yada. Like it's, you know, there there were ways that they probably could have made minor adjustments to make it look a little bit more polished. Um, you know, since since the whole thing seems to be, you know, paying homage to Giallo's, mm. um, you know, they could have made him look a little bit more like a Giallo killer. But for what the, for 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 what I imagine the budget they had and for what they did with the materials they had, he came out looking fine. Yeah, absolutely. So he's yeah. got the gloves. He's got the trench coat. He's a Giallo killer for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, he, and, he wields a knife, which is also very Giallo. Yeah, and in a very kind of fetishistic way. Yeah. So I mean, hey, that's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. A Giallo killer, Mo. Can you say it with me, Giallo killer? Giallo. <laughs> those are the kind of killers that you see in Gialli. The uh, yeah. The, those are the kind of movies that that's being re- referenced here. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, then the lights go off. Uh, and and everyone is a little surprised. The lights have been cut, and Blake is in particular very uh, very upset by these lights being cut because uh, he was about to get his dick wet. <laughs> 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 but you can't do that in the dark. Everyone knows that. Yeah, he was about to he was about to cock that AK forty seven. Holy God, that's good. That's a good that, joke. That's a I'm great ha- I am one. happy with myself. <laughs> All right. All right, let's let's not go jacking each other off right now. <laughs> so, uh, David, of course, he's still running the show. He's going to check on the breaker in the old part of the building. Apparently, this happens every once in a while. He gives his camera to Laura and walks off. Uh, Sari has somehow gotten herself lost while she was in the bathroom. So she's just sort of roaming around. And the rest of the group, they are all together. And they decide that they got to go find the two who went off to the bathroom. So, you know, the whole group can be together in the dark. So, Blake who seems to be kind of really a go-getter in regards to this sort of stuff. I mean, really, it's established right from the beginning that Sean and Blake are are really our two leads, which is why they're in the car at the beginning. They're, they're right. the two that we're, we're supposed to uh, be connecting with, I think. Mm-hmm. So Blake grabs a flashlight. They all head off. But Laura leaves the camera behind, Mo, which is exactly what David told her not to do. Yeah, he said, don't let anybody touch this camera. But we do see someone touch the camera. A gloved hand. Don't 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 possibly the killers. We'll see in just a bit. Um, so they open up the women's bathroom, Mo, and what's inside? Nothing. Not nothing. There's nothing in the women's bathroom. Not a goddamn thing. And Nick's response to that is that figures. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> she often says she's going to bathrooms and then doesn't go to bathrooms. But then Mo, they open up the men's bathroom, and what's inside? Oh my god, it's the tall geek guy whose name I already forgot. The general. The general. Steven, I, the general I, Grant, his he is laying on the floor of the bathroom and has been ripped apart with his guts strewn about, Mo. I love that one of the guys goes over to check his pulse. And he's like, <laughs> he's, it's like he's dead. 
Like, no shit, he's fucking dead, you idiot. <laughs> it's particularly egregious because the in a little bit, they're not going to check the pulse of a character that they really should have. <laughs> and it's, it's going to bother me for the rest of the entire movie. Uh, right. His his insides are outside, Mo. So, yes, he's very, very dead. This is probably, I would think, Mo, the best effect in the movie. Yeah. It's certainly the most uh, explicit gore mm-hmm. that we see in the movie. Uh, and it... it, it you know, and which is not to say that we don't have more interesting things uh, throughout the rest of the movie. But hey, this is a good way to kick things off. So Steven's really dead, and also there's a little printout on the floor, Mo, a little printed off piece of paper. There sure is. There sure is. And and Rochelle, by the way, she notices that the death of Steven, it actually looks like a reference to a movie that they reviewed called Blood Impact, which uh, again, this is. One of my biggest problems with this movie is so so Blood Impact is in the world of this movie a movie that they reviewed on the site, but it doesn't exist in real life. Right. But wouldn't it have been so much cooler if the deaths in this movie were referencing actual movies? Right. There's no reason that it couldn't be you know that this one couldn't be a reference to. I mean, in particular, probably uh, European horror films. That probably would have been the the thing to do. Uh, right. And and in particular, Giallo's. But it it in this case, you know, the 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 kind of crux of the mystery is that someone is recreating sequences for movies and then leaving little hints with them, and um and it, it's just not as fun as it probably could be. Well, the problem is is that by by using movie titles that are within this universe instead of using real movie titles, sure, is that it, it takes the audience out of it for a second to realize that that's what they're doing because much like we probably did when we heard that title we wanted to go find out if that was a real fucking movie or not yeah of course yeah and uh when you find out it's not then you have then you can put yourself back into the movie but for those like you know however many minutes it takes you to go fucking figure it out you've paused the movie you've gone over to imdb you've looked around you've checked to see if this is a real thing you know like they could have just said, "Oh, set it up like a like a death scene from like Deep Red or something." Yeah, exactly. You know? Or how about this? If they just wanted to do something completely different, they could have made them references to the films of Don Dohler or Joe Ripple, right? Sure. I mean, they could have just you know went into their own catalog and kind of restaged some of the kills from their own movies. I feel like that would have been yeah, boy. And knowing that this I mean, is that's Don what Dohler's, Todd Sheets would have done. That's what Todd Sheets would have done. <laughs> and when. And I mean, I feel like every filmmaker should think to themselves at least a couple of times during every shoot, what would Todd Sheets do? Mm-hmm. And then maybe do that. <laughs> and then run up to the butcher and get as much organ meat as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, then we hear a sound and it sounds like this. Oh my God, that's scary. So they all run off like it's that movie Clue. <laughs> <laughs> and they find her screaming, Mo. And what is she screaming at? Yeah. What is what she screaming at? Oh, she found a body uh, with the eye gouged, and it's Matt. It's Matt. Matt, remember he's the guy who loves Euro trash. He's yeah, hanging that, upside down. That piece of Euro trash. Uh, yeah, we see the the camera sitting there, and there's a blade sticking out of the viewfinder, which is actually pretty cool. Like maybe one of those things that we would have liked to have seen on camera 
But there's a reason why we didn't. I mean, that is a super like Argento esque kill sure, where absolutely. you have a camera with the blade that coming out of the thing. And and honestly, when he's hanging there upside down with the jagged thing in his eye, that it does kind of you do get that sort of. Um, it, it it probably is the effect that is most like a giallo style kill, mm. and I wonder why that is. But anyway, we'll find out in a bit. Uh, so Rochelle says, and I guess kind of um, insensitively, she says, "I like gore, but only the make believe kind." I'm out of here, uh, and then she runs off. Uh, probably, you know, the first thing that you and I would do too, Mo. She heads for a door to get the fuck out of there. But when yeah. she Runs and reaches for the door, Mo. What happens? Oh, my God. She gets shocked to hell straight up. As Billy Idol once said, it's a shock to the system, Mo. Rochelle got zapped. She is now on the ground. Uh, and someone says, how can we tell if she's dead? She didn't even get the cool kind of zap where you get to, like, you know, flip girls' dresses up and, like, make bikes float in the air and... You know. I, I mean, I, on the bright side, there's neither uh, Scott Bayo or Willie Ames in this movie. <laughs> Check one for Dead Hunt. Uh, so she's uh, laying on the ground, and at first, uh, Laura says that don't touch her, that she could still be uh, electric. And then they're like, well, she's not touching the knob anymore, so it should be okay. And I th- someone says, how can we tell if she's dead? And it's I think it's um, uh, Sari who says... If she gets up and says ouch real loud, she's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, they check it. She's dead. There's another note. Uh, Though I don't know how the killer knew that she was going to run for that door in particular uh, in order to to put the note there. But hey, it's movies. Sometimes this shit, you just kind of got to go with it. Yeah. So at this point, Mo, we get to read the notes. Very important, Mo. Oh, was it? (laughs) Sure. So, look, we are the Sherlock Holmes of this movie. We are trying to figure it out along with the cast. We we need to know what's happening. So, this is the note that was next to Matt's corpse. It says, In the end, Rossi can't rise above your average Euro trash. And uh, they say that he was strung up like someone from Rope Games. So, apparently there was a movie called Rope Games in this universe. Next to Steve's corpse, the general, it says, I think you need to set aside your intellectualism and take things at face value. And for some reason, I don't know really why, uh, I think Nick says, that's not from Blood Impact, from Voltage Films. I, I don't know why he said that. Uh, I guess that's a movie that Steve reviewed or something like that. Um, and then next to Rochelle, uh, her note says, anyone who thinks these effects look realistic have never seen a real horror movie. Mm. Now, Mo, hearing those uh, together like that, they all sound like, I think, quotes from reviews uh, for movies. And uh, it's strange that I noticed that, but the characters didn't really seem to piece this shit together until much later in the movie. Well, it's funny because we realize later on that they're all quotes from reviews from the people who are at the party. So, like, nobody noticed that somebody was reading a quote from their review. It's it's also particularly strange. And look, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, folks. But believe me, you're not missing anything. No. This is not quotes from a review. It's quotes from a thread of people discussing a movie on this website. Right. Which apparently get, 
you know, it, you know that, that makes sense. If uh, on a website like Chud or something like that, that was a popular website uh, back in the day, you know, it would have a very popular message board aspect of it where people would discuss things and the contributors would discuss on that. So in this case, these are all quotes from a thread discussing a particular movie. But the fact that they mention in this, in one of those quotes there, a uh, director's name, you think that would have helped, helped them piece things together. Right. So the group are now all hanging out together in the warehouse. And uh, Sean says that they have to find Dave and then get the hell out of there. Because Dave is still, remember, he wandered off to try to turn the lights on. Um, and Raven and Nick, they just want to get out of there right now. But um, but Sean doesn't want to leave David to possibly be killed by whoever's killing these other people. But Nick, who, let's face it, is kind of an asshole in this movie. He suspects that Dave is probably behind all of it. After all, he knows the warehouse. He disappeared when all of this was happening. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and you can kind of see why he might suspect Dave in this case. Yeah. It's, here's the problem though. Okay. This is worth about 30 minutes into the film at this point. Sure. And we've already had three red herrings. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can kind of pour on the red herrings. The pr- real problem is that uh, they introduce red herrings and then kill off the fucking characters. Yeah. Almost immediately. Which I guess in this case kind of works too, as we'll find out in a bit. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Sean and Laura, they go off to find Dave while Blake is going to take the others to go try to find the rear door and to see if that's electrified as well. Uh, Raven is seeing, remember, she's the Scream Queen. She seems very freaked out and traumatized by what she's seen uh, so far. Um, And we see Blake, he grabs a pipe and he says, just in case. And then Nick grabs a bigger one. And Mo, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a joke about penis size. Oh, I didn't get that at all. I just. I don't know if it is. I think it might have been a penis joke. Okay. Nick's is bigger is what I'm saying. Yeah, but we know it's not. No. <laughs> no, it's not. So Sean and Laura find a computer um, that is that is on, and she's really uh, surprised by that. And he goes, it's actually, it's on an old circuit, so uh, the lights and the power for the rest of the building uh, are on a different uh, electric circuit, so the computers are still plugged in. And she goes, should we try emailing for help? They attempt to do it, but the internet is offline. You can tell because a thing comes on the screen that says the internet is offline. Mm-hmm. Um, they can only get on the company internal server, but then they get an internal message on the screen, Mo, that says, nice try. Nice try. So there is a computer on the production floor, the only other, I guess, computer that's available that they're going to go tra- check out to see if maybe the killer is using that computer, Mo. However, you and I, Mo, secretly know that there's another computer in play. Oh my Blake's God. laptop, which was Blake's. in that bag, the very important black bag. <laughs> yes. The Whenever there's a computer screen in this movie, uh, it's done by a computer screen being turned off, and then they use uh, the magic of computer-generated imagery to uh, put the image on the screen. And it, it usually works quite well, though every once in a while the camera moves a little bit, and you can see it trying to, to stick to the screen, <laughs> and it can be a little funky to look at. But you know what? We'll let him have that one. I, I'll let him have that electricity effect, Mo. No problem. I liked the electricity I effect. I like the electricity effect also. And in fact, going back to that movie that I mentioned earlier, The Dead Hate the Living, I, I, I recommend that people check it out. But near the end of that movie, there is an electricity effect that is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, like, um, like Moonchild computer morphing level bad? Hey, you know what? You work with what you got. Yeah. So, uh, I, don't know why of- I'm ra- I don't know why I'm ragging on Todd so much in this episode. I really should stop. <laughs> hey, we love Todd. We love Todd. So the rest of the group, they uh, approach the uh, the back door. 
Um, and so Nick, actually quite uh, intelligently, he says, step back, and he tosses his pipe at the door, and it explodes into sparks. So uh, th- there's a, a realization that they're trapped, that all the doors are apparently all electrified, Mo. Mm-hmm. And then Raven asks probably the question that everyone should have asked immediately, which is, does anyone have a cell phone? After all, this isn't 1995. This is 2006. People should have cell phones. But Blake says nobody's cell phone ever works in there. Uh, and that's idiotic. <laughs> I mean, I guess 2006, there's probably a lot of places that didn't have coverage. But you're telling me that entire building? You know, that reminds me of a game I like to play when, when whenever I watch older movies and try to figure out how much shorter the movie would be <laughs> if characters had cell phones. I'd like to watch a supercut of, actually, in fact, I think there is a supercut of just excuses for why cell phones don't work in horror movies, where right. there are always things like that. It's just like, you know, people checking their phones. I'm not getting any data or any coverage here at all. I can't, you know, it's, it's not working. My battery is dead. Um, but anyway, they at least explain it. Right. We just got to go with it. So Sean and Laura, they find the other computer. Um, There's also a phone nearby that they check, but uh, both of them are dead. But Sean does find some blood on the floor. uh, And he he notes (laughs) appropriately that someone must have been there. They also find Blake's bag. Um, Do you think the the bag is there because it's trying to make us suspect Blake? But it can't be, right? Because... Blake has been with the group basically the entire time. Yeah, yeah. As I say, if they're trying to set up another red herring here, they're they're doing it very badly because there there hasn't been a moment where Blake hasn't been fucking, you know, arm in arm with uh with AK forty seven and P and V. Um, uh, oh. So his laptop is not in the bag. Uh, so right. they suspect that the killer has probably stolen his laptop, which is you know that probably explains a lot. Yeah. So our crews. Uh, we have Sean and Laura and the rest of the group. They all come back together. There's been no sign of Dave. They tell him that all the doors are electrified. And Nick, he goes, well, hot shot. What's your plan? And uh, they suggest that, well, David has to be in the old warehouse, uh, since that's where he, apparently he went in the first place to try to turn the lights on. So, And there's another door back there as well. So they should all head back there. Um, and Raven also, again, bringing up very important points, she looks up and shows that there's a bunch of windows up there, and she goes, well, why don't we just go out the windows? How come they can't go out the windows, Mo? Because they're bulletproof. Apparently they got vandalized, so Dave had bulletproof windows installed. Smart. Then Sean remembers something super important, and actually very important for us, Mo. There's going to be two security guards that are going to check in one at 10 PM and one at 6 AM the next morning. And it's eight o'clock right now. So, uh, and they go, what's that mean? He goes, it means a guy with a gun will be opening that door. So they decide what they're going to do is going, they're going to search for Dave and check the other door, like the back door. And Mm -hmm. worst case scenario, they're going to come back and they're going to wait for the guard to arrive. I mean, it's a sensible plan for the most part. I mean, Every once in a while in this particular movie, they, they do things which are, like, sensible, and then they, for some reason, will do a decision that, will make a decision that is completely idiotic, <laughs> and it always ends up hurting them for some reason. Right. So now, Mo, we get our first good look at the killer, as you mentioned before, dressed all in black, gloves, big knife, um, and then the group heads to the old warehouse, and we see that the killer, Mo, has some sort of switch that allows him to go through the doors. It turns the electricity off and on. I have note, Mo, Mo, that he looks like a ninja. He does. He is kind of ninja-esque. Yeah. 
Go ninja, go ninja, go, right? Actually, it reminded me of that. Remember Ask a Ninja? <laughs> that, was an, that was an internet thing around the time this movie came out. I don't remember that. Well, I remember let's Ask just move Jeeves. on. Oh, right. Ask Jeeves. What's he up to these days, Jeeves? I don't know, but I remember back in the day, if you asked him if he was gay, he gave you this tirade about how his uh, sexual orientation is nobody's business but his. Huh. And I'm like, good well, for you, Jeeves. Well, let's see. I'm going to go to Ask Jeeves right now. <clears throat> it's probably some Filipino gambling site now. Wait a second. Wait a second. It just goes to Ask.com. Oh. Uh, Apparently, Ask.com is something that evolved out of Ask Jeeves. Hmm. Mo, our group makes it to the old warehouse, and they find that the phone, electricity, and internet has been ripped out. And Sean says that the back door is electrified, just like all the rest. Uh, and that leads to someone to say this. You all work here. There has got to be another way out. There isn't. There has to be. This place is huge. We <laughs> cannot have checked everywhere. We have, man. Trust me. Trust you? <laughs> You've got to be kidding that supposed to mean what it means is there is a killer on the loose and the one guy who isn't here and isn't a corpse on the floor is your friend liar Whoa. you want to say that again so that was a lengthy audio clip mo and i thought it was important to include it because a it's the most intense bit of uh kind of interplay between the characters up to this point Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, it gives us a sense of some of the acting on display here, Mo. And I think it's time for us to talk a little bit about the acting. How is the acting in Dead Hunt? Uh, uh, no. I agree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, this is the No Budget Nightmares p- podcast. We watch movies which have a lot of amateur acting in it. Yeah. Uh, in them, I should say. And this movie, I think, is better than average when it comes to the acting quality on display. Mostly because the characters that get the most dialogue tend to also be, uh, for the most part, the most skilled at delivering it, I would say. Um, the actor who plays Sean, uh, Dennis Hill, I think he's pretty good. I think he's yeah, actually he's really good. Um, the guy who plays Blake is, is all right. Joe Ripple, who again was forced to play Nick after the original actor dropped out, He's trying really hard. He is giving it his all. He's giving it his all. And that particular character who needs to be kind of an asshole, uh, he looks a little too mild-mannered to play that role. I think that's probably the trouble with that character to some extent. Um, and, and well, what about our female characters? Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Laura, for instance, Mo? Uh, Laura's okay. I, mean, I think honestly, Laura's okay. Yeah, I think the strongest of the female actresses is Rip. Um, who unfortunately dies off way too quick, as we've already stated. <laughs> R.I.P. Rip. So, so rip, rip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the actress who plays Raven, I think, is okay as well. Yeah. Uh, but but Aiden, I think, is a, is probably the weak link among uh, the, the characters that continue to live at the very least. Right. So, uh, Nick, as we just got from that audio clip, he's upset about this whole situation. Uh, Sean says that they should sit tight and wait for the uh, the guard to arrive, just like the plan was before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Nick doesn't want to. He doesn't like the idea of sitting still with a maniac on the loose. So Nick and Sari, they go off to find another way out while Blake says, forget them. They made their choice. Let's go find David. So Sean says that they're going to search every inch of the building. So I guess they're not going to stay put. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna go search for Dave. And then as soon as they find him, they're going to 
uh, lock themselves away until the security guard comes, which, again, not a bad plan. Stay in a group. Do not split off. That's pretty much the rule that they should have been following from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's only one dude, and there's like six of them. They could have easily overpowered him. But You would think. You would think at the very least. And the other thing is Nick and Sari are going to go out by themselves. They've never been in this place before. Right. They don't know where they're going. Doesn't that make them like the biggest target for this this killer? Yup. So uh, she also, they try, they walk off. Sari is uh, not very complimentary to Nick. And she complains that he lost his pipe somewhere, which I thought was a nice little addition for, for why he isn't carrying a weapon anymore. Mm. Um, and then we get, for the first time in a long time, Mo, a shot of the outdoors. Uh, we see a car arrive at the warehouse, Mo. Who is arriving? This is a Don Dollar staple and one of our favorite actors, Mr. George Stover. It's George fucking Stover uh, as a security guard arriving at the warehouse playing Eddie Bryant, the security guard. Um, and so he goes up to the door. He notices the power's off and he says this. Dave Lansing, what kind of trouble are you causing me now? Oh, that Dave Lansing. <laughs> and uh, then the killer comes up behind him, slits his throat, and I guess you can stop the stover after all. Well, I mean, you know, give him, give him some credit. He does take a fucking half-ass swing at the guy, but he ducks it pretty easily. Um, he tries. Hey, you know what? He goes down swinging. That's all we can ask of anybody. Exactly. So uh, rest in peace, George Stover. Um, Sean, rip, well, he's still alive. <laughs> he's still alive. We love you, George Stover, is what we're trying to say. Sean and the gang are wandering around with a flashlight, and they see something in the foreground, Mo. It's hanging upside down. What is it? It's Dave. Hey, Dave's not here, man. And when I say he's not here, I mean his Holy Spirit. Because he's been killed. <laughs> and his soul has left his his body. Uh, so, no, Dave is hanging upside down. This is kind of weird because we see his face for a second and it looks kind of strange. Uh, and I wondered why that was. And it's apparently because they didn't have the makeup person on set that day. So they ended up shooting the uh, corpse much later and then uh, shooting him right side up and then digitally putting him upside down. So that kind of explains why it's kind of funky looking. Huh. Laura's a little upset to find her brother murdered. Um, and But um, but think about how Sean and Blake feel, Mo. They both just lost their jobs probably. Yeah. There's a note nearby. Uh, Sean makes the probably the best suggestion in the entire movie, which is, Let's all go to Dave's office since his door has a lock on it. And then we can just wait there until someone comes to help. Um, Laura doesn't want to leave her brother like this, but Sean says it'll come back and find and get him when all this is over. So like this is I like it when people in movies, particularly horror movies, make the decision that I would want to make in that in that circumstance. And in this case, all going into one place which has a lock on it that has no windows. Hey, that makes total sense to me. Especially yeah. because it seems like the killer has this plan that they're like totally bumbling into again and again. Lock away. Lock yourself away is what I'm saying. In fact, that's my uh, mantra or mantra for life in general. Lock yourself away. Lock yourself away. 
<laughs> so they go inside uh, Dave's office. Uh, Aiden comforts Laura, who's very upset about her brother. Uh, they know they're safe in there since the killer can't be any of them, right? Because they've all been together when these kills have happening are happening. Yep. Um, but they they uh, they feel a little bad about the Kellers, uh, Nick and Sari, still being out there wandering around. At least they do uh, until uh, they they all do except for Blake, who's like they made their choice. <laughs> So uh, Sari and Nick are wandering around, and Sari is just like, she's, what's that word you used earlier? I used the word? Yeah, she's being a real, um, what's the word? Yeah, she's being that word. She's being one of those. (laughs) And Nick, he finally has enough, and he says this, Mo. You know, I like you better when you're wearing the ball gag. Boom. Hey, you know what? Got to give uh, Joe Ripple credit for that delivery. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. So they find George Stover, who is not gone from the movie yet. They find his corpse surrounded by candles, Mo. And uh, I think Nick is the one who recognizes that this is from a movie called Satan's Revenge. And in fact, the killer is there. He's just uh, kind of crouched down. He calls Nick by name, and Sari tells him to run. Uh, but Nick makes the brilliant decision. To instead try to grab for a gun that is conveniently lying on the ground, um, he he picks it up, he points it at the killer and tells him to drop the knife. And the killer says, "This, you got the stones to pull that trigger." Huh? Does Nick have the stones to pull that trigger, Mo? Um, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no fucking bullets in it anyway. There's no bullets in it because why would the killer leave a gun on the floor? For them to pick up and use against them, it just right. doesn't make no sense. So the killer mm-hmm. drops the bullets, um, and I think the killer goes, not bad, not good either, which is kind of <laughs> add an insult to injury. Uh, and then the killer uh, slashes Nick, uh, his side, with his uh, with his knife, and then the, the killer picks up the gun. So Nick then uh, runs off, holding his side, which is bleeding quite badly, Mo. Yeah, and so he ends up finding uh, Sari... Uh, Both Mo and myself Every time we see her name in our notes We have to consciously remind ourselves That it's not sorry It's not sorry Which is a joke in the movie But it's also It's it's like It's killing me to have to say sorry (laughs) Uh, And and of course The funny thing is Like he's in there dying And she's fucking scolding him For moving too slow They hide in a freezer And yeah, yeah So he's just sitting there And he is like Hurt and she she ran off, by the way, while he was fighting this guy. Um, they hide behind some boxes. He starts bleeding. She takes her shirt off, Mo. She she whips out her uh, her boobies. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's got a bra on, so she's got yeah. a bra on. So she she took not she doesn't just take her shirt off for no reason. She uh, applies the shirt to his wound to try to stop the bleeding. Yeah, and then Nick apologizes to her for what he said about the ball gag. Yeah, he he's apolog and she she even responds to his apology badly. She's like, "What we've been married for a dozen years, and it takes this to make you sorry." And of course, she's sorry, not sorry. Oh. <laughs> and he, he goes, she, she goes. Besides, I thought you hated that ball gag. They have a little bonding moment, a little bit uh, softer, um, a little softer BD- BDSM moment. Yeah, that's right. He spits up blood. He goes. It's all my fault. And she says, no, not this time, which is, again, another super shitty thing to say <laughs> to your husband who is dying. Um, and then he has uh, a dramatic death scene 
He says he regrets spending twelve dollars at uh, twelve hours at an office and his evenings at home in front of a computer. And then his dying words are this: "Mo, oh my God, you, you're so beautiful. I love you. You know, I always did. I love you, lady. He's dead." Lady <laughs> Prime Raven So uh, he's dead Joe Ripple has left the movie In terms of his acting That's a uh, wrap for Joe Ripple Yeah everyone clap uh, for, <laughs> Oh no he's still around uh, So let's talk about Sari for a second Sari's played by Anne-Marie Barber in this movie uh, She is very attractive uh, And in fact uh, so attractive That it's a little hard to believe That her and Nick are an actual couple um, it's very, it's very hard to believe. I mean, look, I don't want to be a jerk. I'm trying not to be a jerk, Mo. I, this is, a, I'm turning over a new leaf for 2019. Try not to be a jerk. And as an unattractive man myself, I, I know what it's like, right? I know what it's like. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nick... I don't, I don't know what you guys are all on about. I'm a very beautiful man, so. Well, yes, I wasn't trying to say uh, anything to the contrary, Mo. But all I'm right. just, I'm just saying, uh, Nick. You're working 12 hours at an office and then writing horror movie reviews. <laughs> Sari's just waiting at home with the ball gag. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something else notable, Mo, and this is uh, one of my trademark pieces of trivia being introduced into this, which is that during the filming of the movie, Anne-Marie Barber, who plays Sari, discovered she was pregnant, and she was showing when they were making this movie, so they had to cut around the fact that she was pregnant. Huh. Isn't that something? So later on, when we see her uh, uh, attempt to escape from the building, uh, they have to basically uh, show her from chest up to because uh, she was showing enough that you would have noticed. Interesting. Isn't that something? That is something. And if, if you're the kind of person who maybe even uh, find that particularly titillating, uh, you can keep your eyes peeled for it. But, Mo, I think that's just sick. <laughs> mm. Hey, Mo, the killer's walking around. Have you figured out who it is yet? Have you, the audience, figured out who it could be? Uh, I, was gonna say, lo- by, I was going to say, by this point in the movie, I had already figured it out. Yeah, by process of elimination, basically. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about it. Um, so she, as soon as he fucking dies, as soon as Nick dies, Sari's like, I love you. And then she stands up and gets the fuck out of there. And as soon as she opens the door to the freezer to leave, the killer grabs her. And they have a little tangle, Mo. Um, mm-hmm. And he even drops his knife, and she grabs it. <laughs> so she has the knife, she has the advantage. He runs, sorry, she runs at him and he slams the fucking door into her face. She runs right into the door. She runs right into it. Uh and he goes, "I don't have a note for you. You didn't post like your husband did." And she goes, uh, quite reasonably, "Is that what this is about? That stupid website?" <laughs> um <laughs> And he goes, it's convenient that you left him in the freezer, just like in Ice World. So I guess the idea is that there's another fake movie called Ice World that his death resembles. Doesn't really matter. Um, and then he tries to taunt her by suggesting that Nick wasn't dead when he when she left him. Uh, and she's like, uh, "It, yeah, he was definitely dead. And then he's like, yeah, but you should have seen your face when I said he wasn't. So she calls him a loser, which he most definitely is. Uh, and then she runs off. Um, and he... he uh, he goes that no hero is coming to save the damsel in distress. She runs off. So the crew, our good friends, our good buddies, are still in Dave's office. And then something pops up on the computer, Mo. 
and it says the raven with feet of clay. Obviously a reference to Raven Rinaldi, their scream queen. Then it says scream, scream queen, scream for your life. And Raven is getting super freaked out by this. And so Blake is like, (laughs) Blake is so funny. He goes, watch this, as if he's going to do something super cool. And all he does is type, why don't you show yourself? (laughs) The fucking thing. Um, And uh, Sean then reveals to the rest of the group that they had found that computer earlier and that there were messages on it, but he didn't want to freak people out. Um, the messages then say she's already showing her true colors. Cat got your tongue. I'm going to get the rest of you. And uh, then Blake writes, come and try. Sean also mentioned that they found Blake's bag. And Blake seems very upset that someone is using his laptop to send those messages. Because probably his laptop also had a lot of porn on it, Mo. Yeah. I mean, One mine, th- mine didn't, but, you know. And he ends with, quoth the raven, nevermore. Just like uh, that famous uh, uh, poem by Edgar Allan Poe, Mo. Quoth the Raven, look at all this porn. Yes. <laughs> so Raven, uh, who a lot of these messages are directed at, uh, she reacts just like the killer wants her to. She gets freaked out and the group notices that somehow, without them noticing, she has opened a locked door and left. Uh, so Sean and Laura go out after her while Blake and Aiden stay behind. Wink. Um... And Blake uh, then hugs Aiden, and you know what that means, Mo. Means they're about to get freaky. Raven has wandered off by herself like a complete fucking idiot, has completely ruined their plan, has basically murdered them by making this decision. Just really one of the dumbest decisions you could possibly make. She's there, like, wandering around, talking to herself, kicking shit like a fucking idiot, uh, making herself obviously known to the killer, who wants her to leave so he can kill her. Not really, uh, not really high on this Raven after uh, after earlier being quite uh, happy that she mentioned the cell phones and windows. Yeah, she's not making smart choices. Bad choices, what I would say, Mo. Bad choices, Raven. Bad choices. Aiden and Blake, they're together. She hugs him, apologizes for keeping him there. She says, "All the guys on the forum hit on me, but all I thought on the way here was if you would be the way I imagined you." She says she wishes that they had more time, and he promises to her that they'll have all the time in the world. Liar! Nope. (laughs) Uh, Sean and Laura uh, looking around for Raven. Uh, Raven finds a door and opens it, and she says to herself, there's got to be some place to hide. And guess what, Mo? There was. She left it to go wandering by herself. What a dum-dum. What a dumb piece of garbage. (laughs) What a worthless pile of shit. Hey, back to Aiden and Blake. She says that she should have driven down that summer when he asked. Then she would have had him. This isn't how I wanted it, but if this is how it has to be. And then what does she do, Mo? She starts getting naked. She starts to strip down to her underwear. (laughs) Down, Down to them skivvies. And then this happens. Aiden... We can't. Blake, we might die in this place. And if I can't have all the time in the world with you, I want you here and now. Aiden. I want my happy ending with you. They fuck then. Then they fuck. <laughs> Off screen, but they fuck. Now, uh, there is not any nudity in the sequence. Uh, we... We, she is shown in her underwear, but tastefully, they have left the uh, full penetration uh, to our imaginations. 
Yeah. Take notes, Catherine Braylot. <laughs> <laughs> Raven is out there. She's still wandering around, talking to herself, saying that she, for a lousy grand, she's up to her eyes in it. Um, Sean, he wonders if maybe she went into the old warehouse. Raven then uh, finds a note hanging from the ceiling. It says, you know, as someone who has made some movies, um, and she notices right away, it's th- it's her quote. She wrote what's on the thing. Mm. And then the killer immediately appears. He says, uh, you think I can make a Scream Queen Scream movie star? And then she basically offers like money and, uh, and maybe her body, uh, at least it's implied. He puts his knife between her breasts um, and he goes, let's see if we can arrange an audition, huh? Which is really weird. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense as a, <laughs> as a threatening uh, dialogue. No. But, uh, but hey, this one's going to get pretty intense in just a second. Sean and Laura still wandering around looking for her. Um, and uh, I like how I like how in this scene Laura's like, like worried and sad about how she's going to keep the business going with Dave yeah. Vaughn. Hey, you know what? It's it's a legitimate concern, uh, and guess. she she even says that she started to suspect her brother because it would have been better than finding his corpse that way. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it'll be hard to keep the place going without him. Um, then Laura smells something, Mo. Oh, this is wild. So she smells something burning. And Sean's like, well, I hope those ripped out wires didn't catch a fire, didn't cause a fire. Let's go check. And they do not find uh, the wires, Mo. What do they find instead? Oh, they find Raven tied to a chair on fire. On fire, Mo! Her corpse up in flames. Uh, now, this now is... Here's, do- here's the yes, thing. Yes, please. Here's the thing. I would imagine... Please. You know, given all of the uh, uh, witch movies I've seen in the past, that when you are set on fire, it it hurts. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, screaming involved. I mean, that's my uh, understanding. So they heard Sari scream from across the warehouse. Sure. Nobody heard raven screaming as she was on fire well i'm gonna make the case that maybe she was already dead before they set her on fire i am maybe um i mean that's the only way it makes any sense right Right. okay so the effect here is serviceable it's a digital effect they've they've compiled uh the fire onto um the real life actress it looks kind of funky because she's so still while all the fire is on her body but obviously they couldn't set an actual fire here uh, so, so, you know, Hey, it gets the job done is what I'll say. I don't, okay. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a jerk about it. Yeah. I'm not going to nitpick this one. It's it, the, the effect works. Their response to this is. <laughs> Shit. Get something. <laughs> I, uh, I apologize to any listeners who got ear raped with that. So I apologize <laughs> big time. Did not realize that clip was going to be so much louder than the other ones. <laughs> Uh, they they grab a blanket, a conveniently placed blanket, and throw it over her. And, you know, this is so much more intense than the rest of the stuff they've run into. Sean quite uh, uh, reasonably says, what kind of fucking maniac are we dealing with? So Laura finds a note, but unlike the other times when they find a note, uh, as soon as she reaches for it, the killer runs out and slices her arm. Uh, and just at that moment, Blake and Aiden, who were starting to get concerned about what was going on with Sean and uh, and Laura, they run into the room. Blake gets stabbed a few times. Laura jumps on the killer's back. Uh, there's a whole lot of like moving pieces here. But the main thing is that Sean and the killer, they circle each other for a moment. Blake runs in, gets stabbed 
in the stomach and holds the killer while telling the rest of them to run off. Uh, and yep. the killer uh, tells him, uh, as he, they're kind of commiserating before Blake's death, that he needs the perfect last words, Mo, and that sounds like this. But you gotta get the perfect last words. How about this? <coughs> Leave her, you have me. Or, hey, stay with me! Or please, I love her. Or how about this? I die for her. <coughs> I kind of wish we got more dialogue from the killer. Yeah, I mean, like, this is definitely the type of killer they could have had a lot of fun with. Yeah, right? You know? Like, maybe because... just, maybe magically the intercom system works on a different power grid, and they could have had the killer, like, whispering things to them as they're trying to run away, you know? Or, were... or even, like, sending, they could have sent audio things through the computer. Sure. Uh, right? I'm just thinking of ways, because he is good. I think the actor playing the killer, whoever it might be, <laughs> yeah. is very good. Though I will say that because we do hear a, uh, a decent amount of his speaking voice, that you might be able to tell who it is just from that. Yeah. You might, Mo. I'm just saying you might. Perchance. So the rest of the group, which at this point is just Sean, Aiden, um, and Laura... Um, they, uh, Sean asks why Aiden and, and Blake didn't stay put. He, uh, she said that Blake insisted because he was worried about him. We now mow with 20 minutes left. We reached the beginning point of the movie. And I hope listeners that you understand now why I thought it was actually kind of a bad idea to put that bit at the very beginning, because it really does kind of spoil a lot of what leads up to this moment. I mean, you could watch that beginning part and think a lot of those other people are still alive, but you certainly know that it's deep enough in the shit that uh, that Sean and Laura and Aiden were not going to get hurt up to this point. Right. Or I guess Laura would get hurt, but only with that slice on her arm. Yep. Yup. So, uh, just as before, uh, they sit for a moment, they see Blake's bag, Aiden runs off by herself. I don't know why she does this, Mo. Seems like a really bad idea. I also like the fact that she didn't bother to get dressed again after her and Blake fucked. Well, she's wearing his shirt, I believe. Oh. Yeah, she's not in her undies. She's she's wearing his shirt. That's what right. you're supposed to do. Oh, Post-coital that... bliss. You sure. know, you put on... And, and, and It's also a signal. It's like a... Um, it's like the animal kingdom, Mo. It's <laughs> like a signal to the rest of the pack that, hey, we banged. You know it happened because I'm wearing his shirt. Sure. So they find Blake's bag again. Aiden is wandering around by herself. Um, and she, <laughs> Laura says that to Sean, we have to go get Aiden. And Sean says that she has to take care of herself. They have to focus on them now. What a hero that guy is. <laughs> Sean wants to head back to Dave's office so they can figure out how to find the others if any of them are left. Remember, he doesn't know that Sari and Nick are dead. Well, actually, Sari is still alive. He doesn't know that Nick is dead. Um, so he thinks there could still be others out there. Uh, Aiden takes a moment to relax, uh, and then Sari, who is still alive, she finds Aiden and tells her to come with her. She goes, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm glad to see you. Why is Sari such a jerk all the time, Mo? I don't know. This so, actually is a great fucking moment. Like I really I, like this. Yeah, this is a this is a great moment. So they explore the area for a while for a while, and they find an open door. And the best part is that Sari like declares herself the winner, and like she's yeah. she goes, "We're out of here. Excited. I yeah, win. We're out of here. I win. Exactly." And um, 
And then the the killer comes around the corner and just puts a fucking machete right in her head. And it's it's a great effect. It looks fantastic. Yep. You know, I mean, it's like machete in the head. It's such an easy trick to do. But it, but when done right, it looks so fucking good. It is the classic uh, Dawn of the Dead machete to the head, just yeah. like you've seen in a thousand movies. But it's really pulled off well here. But that's the thing, though. It's like, you, you, yeah, you've seen it a million times before. But when it's pulled off well, it's still super effective and tons of fun. So, yeah, I, I love the job they did with with Sari getting the mach- uh, the machete in her head. I almost said Michelle in the head because I've got Sarah Michelle Geller stuck in my head now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's great. And then uh, I believe he kills Aiden as well. Or well, no, no so, not yet. Okay. She runs off. So she runs off, and he just kind of walks slowly after her. Uh, but then when it cuts, it cuts to Sean and Laura, and, and Sean is wrapping her up Laura's arm with tape. Then when it cuts back to them, he's running after her, and she's, like, knocking stuff in front of the killer as he's running. And he falls over a box, which actually is really funny. Like, he fucking wipes out. And he goes, I'll get you, Aiden. Count on it. You know, there's, like, scenes like that where, like, somebody runs off and the killer just walks, walks off following them. Reminds me so much of uh, uh, Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon, yeah, where he, where like he gives the secret of how they do that. He's like, yeah, oh, well, you just you, you just you got to work on your cardio, you know. Like the second they're not looking, you just poof and you run. It's honestly, uh, Mo. It, I need it's, to watch that fucking movie again. I think we even mentioned it on a recent episode, anyway. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because that particular movie comes from a place of such love for the genre, yeah, and 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 such a level of detail for people who love the genre that. It kind of it, you know, thinking about it just reminds me that that they could have done so much more with the horror fandom in this sure. movie, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is going to become really clear momentarily. <laughs> so Aiden does a really smart thing, really really smart. She kind of climbs up into the stacks of this warehouse, right? Um, she she climbs uh, pretty high up and hides up there, and we see the killer searching for her. And then uh, we go close in while she's hiding. And then he pops up in front of her. She falls out of the side of these, um, what would you call them, what she falls off of? It's just shelves. Shelves, right? She falls yeah. off the shelf, hurts her leg a little bit. And then he he's like down there with her. He's about to kill her. And, um, and he goes, I told you I was going to get you, Aiden. And she asks why he's doing this. And he explains, Mo, that it has to do with the movies. Um, yep. He reads her note. He goes, it takes itself so seriously. I just didn't get it. He has something to do with a movie, Mo. Mm. And as we've mentioned already on this program, the kind of movies he loves are Italian. Well, Euro trash wouldn't be the word that I use, but he likes Italian or European horror movies like Giallo's, you know, the classic murder mysteries. Uh, yeah. Dar- Mario Bava, Dario Argento, Sergio Martino. The classics, I would say, Mo. Giallo movies, Mo. <laughs> so uh, then he... I actually played this clip for for my uh, my lady friend uh, explaining to her how the word's supposed to be pronounced, and she laughed so fucking hard. I put this on Twitter. People did not react positively. <laughs> All right, let's play the clip. Now. You wait till I turn you into a guile masterpiece. You and Keller's horse works. Yep. 
Like it almost sounds like he's saying guile, like from Street Fighter. Well, so. a number of people on Twitter mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I really wanted to give this movie the benefit of the doubt that what I thought he was saying there was not you hate Giallo now. Well, just wait until I turn you into a Giallo masterpiece. And instead said Gaio. Uh, <laughs> but I did have to put it on the, the internet where Robert Long did confirm that they just fucked up. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Look, people can fuck up. No doubt about it. But are you telling me that through all the horror fans that would have seen this? Look, I'll, like for one thing, you could have dubbed this over so easily once you found yeah. out that you made a fuck up, right? Mm-hmm. It would be very easy just to get the guy to say Giallo and just stick it in or even do the whole line. It wouldn't be that hard. Right. Um, it's a that's a big mistake. I gotta say, it's a really big mistake because the only people who would watch this movie almost certainly would be big horror fans who would right. know that that's a big mistake. And also, the whole point of this movie is that, um, is that it's written to be this sort of both uh, light mockery and also tribute to this kind of filmmaking. And it gives you the impression that the people making this movie had no idea what they were talking about, and that's a real problem. It's a now, real shame, yeah. Now, other people made the, the really interesting comment, which is that you could interpret this as him basically mansplaining Giallo to her and then using the wrong term because maybe he's only ever seen it written down or something like that, and it actually kind of plays off of it. However, you know, the the, the, the suggestion in this uh, movie is that he is really, you know, whatever his problem is, he is an expert in this field and knows right. stuff about Euro horror. So I don't think it really fits together. But look, if, if that's what it takes for you to to, <laughs> to ignore this amazing fuck up, more power to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make too much of it, Mo, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, well, I mean, we have we have to mention it because it is the most glaring mistake in the movie. You know, anything else is nitpicky stuff. Like anything else we've complained about, honestly, has just been nitpicky stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and, this, and actually, I think this is it, not this is not nitpicking. We'll say it at the end anyway. This is an incredibly competently made movie, as you would Absolutely. expect, Absolutely. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the directors obviously know how to make a movie. They're working with not great resources, right? They have uh, they make this this warehouse look huge, but it's literally just like this tiny place that they're shooting from all these different angles to make it look huge. And they do a great job of that. I think most of the performances are perfectly well done. I think the effects work is actually pretty good for the most part. And I think it's the writing that, that, that really lets it down. Um, And with, with a little bit more care, this could be something uh, great as opposed to kind of just serviceable, which is where we are so far. Right. But now, Mo, we're getting to the ending. The big reveal. Hey, have you figured it out? Have you figured it out yet? Sean is sitting down and she's like, there's no one left to be the killer. Like, everybody is dead. So they, Sean and Laura, sit down. They try to work out who the killer is. And they do it using those uh, printouts, those quotes that they have. And Laura figures out that they're all from the same review thread on the website. It's a review of a movie called Mo. Dead Hunt, Hunt by an Italian director named Darian Rossi. How very meta. How very Italian. (laughs) And she's like, that film was a piece of crap that nobody liked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and, And Sean's like, it doesn't make any sense. It couldn't be Darian Rossi who's going after them. He's Italian. Uh, but maybe, and she says, maybe it was a big fan of the movie that they pissed off with the review. And that's why this is happening. 
And then she noticed something else, Mo. Hey, remember Matt from the beginning? The guy with the homoerotic statement to Sean? He wasn't on the site when they reviewed Dead Hunt. But there was a quote near his body. Right. And and also she says this, Mo. You're right. Besides, Matt probably would have loved that movie. It's pretentious Euro horror. It's right up his alley. You're telling me you got a group of people who write for a horror website who don't like European horror movies? Yeah, that's that's probably the least believable thing here. I mean, honestly, you put six horror film like mega fans in the same room, and I guarantee you at least four of them are into Giallo. I'd be that one guy sitting in the corner like, I, I don't know how you watch this shit. I really don't. But, you know. <laughs> also, I got to be honest. When, when I hear Euro trash, I don't think of trashy movies. I think right. of, like, you know, really... Um, I usually think of like like European art films, things that are sure. kind of up their own butt a little, you know? Yeah, like uh, I Am Curious Yellow. Yeah, well, that, that sort of thing. Or even like a Fellini film or something like that. Right. Now, I love Fellini, and I love trashy art movies, uh, but but that's when I hear Euro Trash, I don't generally think of European horror movies. Right, exactly. Just I'm just saying, that's just me. That's just me. That's just the way I'm put together, Mo. <laughs> so, Sean and Laura, they run out, and they run right into the killer who immediately unmasks Mo. <laughs> and this unmasking would probably have been a little bit more suspenseful if they didn't outright say who it was in like seconds before. Like a second ago, yeah. Who is it, Mo? Uh, Mo? <laughs> uh, well, son. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's Matt. It's Matt. The, the, the red stuff around... Oh, remember when he was hanging upside down with the thing in his eye? It was just makeup. Yeah. Laura calls him a son of a bitch. He points a gun at the both of them. Um, so he, And he wired up all the doors. He said the hardest part of the plan was like pulling out all that wire and, and putting it together a few days before it. So why did he do it, Mo? And it was indeed the review threads. And then he says this. Stupid. It's brilliant. That's what it is. Not that any of you ignorant pigs realized it. So, uh, all right. I have one. I have one question, by the way, Mo. Sure. So he released a movie called Dead Hunt. He spent all of his money on it. You know, he devoted two years of his life. He released it under the Italian name Darian Rossi. So, is the movie dubbed or in Italian or like, is he just supposed to be a director named who happens to be? Of Italian descent named Darian Rossi. Also, by the way, if you're coming up with a fake Italian name, Darian isn't the fucking first name that you would come up with. Right. <laughs> hey, I don't mean to, to pick Mo, but I'm here to pick. That's our job. It's our job. It's 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 our job. <laughs> <laughs> so he's fucking he's pissed off because he spent all this time making this movie, uh, and they tore it down, and he had a distribution deal for the movie, Mo. But after that review thread and them being so mean about his movie, he lost the distribution deal. And um, he goes, that lousy movie was my life. And you pretentious assholes did more to me than you'll ever know. Here's Uh, the thing. Here's the thing. We know for a fact that movies, like especially in this realm, can bomb like hell and still maintain their distribution deals. You know, I mean. Should have called them wild eye. (laughs) Yeah, right? Or uh, what's, what's the one? It's like acid something. Brain damage films? 
No, no. There's one that has, like, it's like chemical or. or oh, yeah. Chemical or, burn? Yeah. yeah chemical, chemical burn. burn, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, like, they, you know, they would have put it out. Yeah. I, I do think the idea here is that they were going to give him money for the distribution to oh, make up for all the money he spent a, on it, and he lost that deal. Thing. Well, maybe, but also, are you telling me that these people who agreed on a distribution deal didn't watch the movie first and see if it was garbage? Um, so, I mean, I do think that this is a really interesting concept, right? A, a crazed filmmaker upset at bad reviews. Uh, what a fun kind of concept for directors, in this case, two directors who make uh, primarily horror movies to put into their movie. And yeah. I just, why didn't they make the reviewers more of like a satirical target you know what i mean like the quotes from their review don't sound like real movie quotes they could have like this movie should have been a lot more vicious about everybody involved yeah right they could have made fun of this pretentious director they could have made fun of these horror like these picky shitty horror fans like mo porn and doug tilly hosting no bunch (laughs) nightmares podcast (laughs) because right now we're being those reviewers right and how shitty would we feel right now it's like you get to the end of it's like you know, this guy was just trying his best, just like the directors of this movie were just trying their best, and to rip it to pieces for no reason and to, for no gain for yourself, and really just because you don't value the work that they put into it, that's a really shitty thing, unless someone contributes to your Patreon and says that you have to review it, and hey, what are you going to do then? Yeah. I will say that everything that happens after this moment is are all my favorite parts of the entire movie. <laughs> Which is a real shame, because there's... What, like, 10 minutes left? Not even 10 minutes. There's like five yeah. minutes left. Yeah. So um, the story that he is going to tell, that, uh, that, uh, um, that uh, sorry, Matt is going to tell, is that Sean went crazy and killed the other reviewers and that he somehow survived, and he's going to use that for publicity to try to sell his movie. Laura says that he's insane, and he goes, I'm brilliantly insane, and he shoots her in the stomach, okay? Yep. Sean's very upset because he is a little sweet on this Laura. Um, he, Sean also mentions, hey, Aiden and, and the Kellers are still alive. And then it's also revealed that he's killed them as well. Because Sean, at this point, wouldn't have known that. Right. Sean sits for a moment, takes off his glasses, Mo, and says this. You know, man, I'm thinking of writing my own horror movie room. Yeah? But what's that, bro? <laughs> This movie, the brother doesn't die. Yeah. I mean, that's a terrific line. That's a great line. It's also funny in the way that almost none of the other dialogue is in the movie. Uh, So they have a a fist fight, a really great one. I really love it. And, but, uh, but Matt, it gets the better of him because uh, as he will now reveal, actually, let's listen to his dialogue here. Careful, Sean. I've been training in a Brooklyn gym for two years. Yeah. I grew up in West Baltimore. (laughs) Ow! (laughs) See, that is so great. Are you kidding me? Like, that is the best line in the entire movie. And you can imagine a Baltimore audience would have fucking went nuts to hear that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, so that sound that you hear at the end is him smashing his head with a, uh, a bottle. So they continue to fight. At some point, Matt uh, takes out his knife and he slices Sean's face. Um, and then Sean goes, you know why they call me Slam Dance? And he starts beating the shit out of Matt and he even kicks great. him in the face. So he's about to kill Matt with his Slam Dance skills. And Laura, who is still alive, she tells Sean not to kill him. 
And he immediately, <laughs> instead of finishing the job, he immediately runs over to her and embraces her. Uh, and she goes, it hurts, but I think it'll be okay. And then Matt, who is still alive, jumps on Sean's back. Um, and so they push each other up against these uh, shelves again. And then what happens, Mo? I want you to explain this. Part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is sort of a classic trope turned on its ear, and I fucking love it. I really, really love it. So it's the you know, you got two guys, and there's uh, a mystery gun. You know, uh, she shoots, and you see one of them start to fall away, and like you know, that, you know, it goes. You hear the gunfire, and they're just staring at each other, and it's like, okay, who the hell sure. did that hit? And fucking Sean falls over because she missed. She fucking missed. Oh I think the idea. God. I think the idea is. And I, I've seen this movie three times now because I listened to the commentary. Um, yeah. Is that we have Matt pushing Sean up against the shelves, and then she points the gun and is about to shoot. And right at that moment, he reverses. Sean reverses the position, so now he's pushing Matt, and that's yeah. how. So she was aiming for Matt and accidentally shoots Sean. She shoots Sean, and she kills him. <laughs> So, uh, in my notes, uh, I know it's cliche to to read directly from your notes on a podcast, but I have fucking idiot Laura. (laughs) Shoot Sean. Matt then says to her, he basically, so she still has the gun, and Matt is still alive, and he's like, he's trying to get her to stop for a second. He's like, this is perfect. We could be a partnership. We could be a team and make movies together. And he goes, uh, uh, Dead Hunt could even be a hit. Uh, It just needs a little bit of fixing up. And he goes... They could even be more than partners. I'm very attracted to you, Laura. <laughs> and he goes, we could be great. And she shoots him and says, I don't think so. So she shoots Matt. He's dead. She crawls over to Sean's body and starts crying, as well as she should, since she murdered him for no good reason. <laughs> I mean, okay. Anyway, he opens his eyes. He's not quite dead. And he says this. Did we get him? And he dies in her arms, and that's the end of the movie. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, I love it. I I love the fact that, like, basically everybody dies. I mean, everyone dies except for her. Though I guess she still has that stomach wound, so she could be gone too. Uh, I mean, those doors might still be electrified. She's kind of fucked. Um and that's the it. that's it. The movie fades out, and that is Dead Hunt from the year two thousand seven. We get closing credits, Mo, and it's one of my favorite kinds, where it shows the cast member uh, from the movie with their their real name over it. I just love that. I think that all movies should do that. Mm. Um, but what's uh, what's notable about this closing credits, Mo? Oh, maybe this. So we should talk over this a little bit, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> This is the song that plays over the closing credits of Dead Hunt. And Mo, I don't know if you know this. Do you know who, who composed this song? No. Justin Timpain, who also played Matt, the killer in the movie. Oh, a multi-talent. In fact, Justin did the music for the entire movie. And I have to say, the music generally for this movie is quite good. Yeah. This song called Psycho Killer, uh, no relation to the Talking Heads song. I got really mad when I found out this song was called Psycho Killer. I'm like... Have you never heard a Talking Heads song before? Yes, um, say. <laughs> all right, like, let's just listen to it for a second. 
Now that you know that it's the actor who plays the, the killer, you can hear his voice. <laughs> right. It does make it a little sillier, I have to say. I mean, I like the song. Hey, you know what? It's a pretty, it's it's a fun song. It, I think it's meant to be taken at least somewhat seriously, which is right. kind of a problem. But hey, compared to some of the closing credit songs we featured on No Budget Nightmares, it's pretty great. <laughs> Okay, you can cut it off now. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll put the full song at, after the uh, the end of the episode for anyone who wants to check that out. Um, but uh, that's it, Mo, from the year two thousand seven, Dead Hunt. What do you think? Uh, not bad. Not it's bad. not bad. Absolutely. You know, like, a, like I mean, you know, it's it's like we've said before. It's our job on this show basically to be stupid and nitpicky and judgmental. Um, but you know, when it, when we get to the end of it, even despite any negatives we might have brought up in 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 you know in filming and in the the movie proper it doesn't matter cuz if you come out of the film enjoying it the nitpicky stuff doesn't fucking matter like you know I, and i enjoyed it I, I i thought it was funny that basically everybody died um, <laughs> you know i don't know if that was intentionally funny or not but it made me laugh because uh, you know that even laura if like if she doesn't find help soon will also bleed out uh-huh um, there's some great fucking dialogue, you know, in it that's so fucking ridiculous. Um, I think my favorites are, of course, the uh, the one where it says, uh, you know, in, I'm thinking of writing my own horror movie. Uh, in this movie, the brother doesn't die. That's a great line. Um, and then the uh, the Brooklyn gym versus growing up in West Baltimore. Yeah. I thought that was a great fucking. I mean, line. those are great lines, yeah. right? Yeah. Really, really strong. The thing about this movie is that it needed to be ten percent more clever. And I don't mean when it comes to the killer. I mean uh, when it comes to the dialogue. It really needed to really lean heavier into the more satirical side of things. Yeah, and I honestly, know, like you had said, you said earlier in the show, you said that they could have been way meaner um, about the uh, the reviews and stuff because you're you're not you know you're because that's real. That's real life right there. Yeah, a lot a lot of these. Horror specifically, I don't know what it is about horror movie review sites, but some of these guys are really fucking mean. Absolutely, you know? and I, me, I try to go into every movie, you know, trying to glean some kind of positivity out of it, and try my damnedest to not tear it a new asshole. But I mean, like, that's the great thing I like about this show is that we're honest, you know. <laughs> like, like if something's good, we say it's good. If something's bad, we say it's bad. You know, but. If we liked the movie overall, we say that we liked the movie overall. And a movie can have a lot of flaws, and we can still enjoy it. Which I mean, right, exactly. look, yeah, it, I, I, I'm not going to knock reviewers who maybe lean towards the negative because a movie review is an entertainment medium. You're supposed to be entertained reading it, sure, and sometimes sure. that's part of it. But remembering that there are other people on the other side who care about this, and and you know, may have, maybe have devoted a lot of their time and patience and money to try to make the best that they could with the resources they had. I think it's good to be reminded of that every once in a while. And that's what this movie at its core really could have been about, right? I get that they didn't want to make the guy, the killer sympathetic at the end, but you know, maybe just have him break down a little and say, you know, this was my life that I, this is my one big chance at doing something. And because of you being so unnecessarily mean about it, you destroyed my ability to do that. And I mean, like, there's that's a relatable thing. 
yeah. something we see played out again and again and again. And I just feel like they could have gone so much more heavy into that. And even if they didn't want to lean into the mean part of it, at the very least, lean a bit heavier into the postmodern stuff. I know not everyone's into that. And not like a lot of people don't like Wes Craven's Scream and the movies that came out in, in, in after that. And maybe right. the creators of this movie really don't like that sort of thing. But if you're already going to be referencing in some way... Uh, genres of horror, then why not go a little heavier in that? I- I'll tell you, it would have it would have led people who are fans of that sort of uh, of those horror movies like like Giallo's um, to to probably track this movie down because it's something that's you know kind of made in tribute to what they enjoy. Yeah, and honest. It, uh, yeah, like you're right. If they had made this like a meta Giallo film, it could have been a lot better in fact i mean if they had done that i probably would have disliked it more but yeah me too i know that's it's a funny thing that i'm saying i'm just saying it would have been a lot more clever (laughs) yeah yeah i don't like well i don't like jello i don't like jello to begin with it's just not my style it's i I find most of it to be too much style and not enough substance you know um which there's nothing really wrong with it's just Speaking of someone, Mo, there's only so much. There's only so much beautiful lighting you can put up with before you're like, okay, you're gonna say something interesting now. Well, I mean, speaking of someone who is himself more style over substance, uh, I do take some some, uh, uh, issue with what you just said. Look, I I love a lot of Jolly, and some I could take or leave, even some of the most famous ones. Um, But when they're really good, they're great, just like almost any other genre, right? And true. um, But for, for for me though, my my thing is that like. I find that doesn't happen enough. I think that's very fair. I also mm. f- feel bad for Eric Martin Strauss, the writer of this movie, who probably wrote <laughs> wrote down Giallo knowing full well how it was supposed to be pronounced and then right. had to see this movie come out and see what they did with that fucking word. Must have felt kind of weird. Right. Mo, Dead Hunt. I think it's worth your time. Again, if you're a fan of Don Dola, certainly you should check it out anyway. There is a two-disc uh, version of it available. You got this. Um, Sorry? <laughs> you pulled a duck dilly there. I totally um, did. Uh, you, there is a two-disc uh, version, a special... Well, you hate Gaio now? <laughs> you wait till I turn you into a Gaio masterpiece! You and Keller's horrible works! <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> so there's a special edition of this movie that's out there in the world, and and it does have like a lot of um, uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I think there might even be an alternate ending on it. It has the commentary, pretty interesting commentary. Uh, if you want to check that out as well, and especially knowing that it was you know really this near the end of Don Dollar's life. So if you're interested in him as a filmmaker, it really is something worth seeking out. But if you're in it just for kind of a fun, clever, violent slasher movie or tribute to Jolly you're probably not going to get everything that you want here. It just it just doesn't go far enough in any of the directions that I wanted. Sure. But with that said, Mo, we need to talk about what we're going to cover on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, which will not I've, be a month from now. I've literally already forgotten, so <laughs> just, just take it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going back to everyone's favorite decade. <laughs> That has not been played out over the last few years. It's the 1980s. And we're going back to 1986 with a little movie called Terror at 10 Killer, directed by Ken Meyer. On the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, Mo, Terror at 10 Killer. Nice. Yeah, I hope it's nice. 
I actually haven't seen this one. I know it's been recommended to us several times. I know Rift Tracks has covered it. But yeah, we're going to check out Terror at 10 Killer um, in the very near future. Uh, Mo, at this point, I usually ask you where people can find No Budget Nightmares on the internet. But before we do that, I just want to talk a little bit about this new Discord server that we have. Mm-hmm. So this, for those who don't know, it's something that you, listeners, can join up with right now. Even if you don't have a microphone, you can still join onto it. And we are going to be doing, and already have done as a test, some live streams. Uh, I, I hesitate to say live commentaries, even though what we did, uh, even though I'm not going to reveal what the movie was, was a live commentary where we went uh, deep on a movie that was very controversial in the history of no budget nightmares. And, and but, you know what though? I mean, and we didn't have, a, we didn't have a ton of people watching along with us, but we did have a handful and I think we were entertaining enough. Um, <laughs> entertaining enough. The no budget yeah. nightmares story. Well, I mean, it was the first one we ever did and it was a yeah. test. We were just trying to see, you know, like how, how well we would, you know, how well it would work out. And I think it was great. Like honestly, I had a lot of fun. Like, I yeah, had a I, lot of fun. I, I definitely think this is the sort of thing we should try to do at least monthly or bi-monthly. You know, just so that we could, uh, uh, you know, give 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 our audience something else to to enjoy as well. So, so just to give everyone an idea of how this works, uh, just very quickly, you would download this program called Discord. Uh, it's easy to find online. We've linked it in our Facebook group as well. And you, uh, it's free, uh, and you can uh, log into it and join the No Budget Nightmares group. Um, I'll even put it in the show notes for those who want to check out through there. And when you do that, there is a live um, No Budget Nightmares uh, kind of subgroup to it that you can join. And within that, you can hear Mo and I talk, and we will give you a link in that group where you can also stream something live, and it's synced up to what we're saying, so you can watch and hear us at the same time. So it gives us the ability to talk over uh, online video with all of you seeing what we're seeing at the same time. And mm-hmm. it's, it you know, it's... I, I wasn't so sure it was going to work, but I have to say, once we had the bugs worked out of it, Mo, it, it went very smoothly. It was great. It was Absolutely. it was terrific, and we're going to try to do that more often, uh, and probably in the very near future, maybe even before the next episode comes out, just to get everyone kind of on board with the idea. Uh, we will be posting about that in our Facebook group and on our Twitter feed, uh, so keep your eye out for that, and we'll try to give at least a week in advance for people to check that out. Exactly. But where can people find No Budget Nightmares on the internet? Oh, I can go right to uh, Facebook and uh, do a search for No Budget Nightmares. Um, we'll pop up or just go directly to it. It's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. Absolutely, yeah. So it's no dash budget nightmares. You should be able to find it fairly easily. Uh, if not, you can go over to our website, nobudgetpodcast.com, which has links to all of our social media as well. And you can go on Twitter and find No Budget Podcast on that, at no budget podcast. Why don't you go take a look at your convenience and join up and join the conversation, Mo? You can also be found on the internet. Huh? I mean, you can be found on the internet. You got a Twitter feed and whatnot. Oh, I do. Yeah, uh, it's at Drunk on VHS. Right, and you also do some streaming sometimes, Mo. Have you been mm-hmm. doing that lately? Um, you know, I uh, th- there's there's a little bit more to my setup that uh that i need to do before i start streaming regularly like i i realize i really really need a second monitor um just something to run all my programs through so that i I don't have to so i can just kind of glance over and see chat and that sort of stuff but uh yeah that one you can find it's um alt nerd obsessive uh, i believe is the name for my uh for my twitch 
So definitely check that out. We'll try to link that in the show notes as well. You can find me on some other podcasts. One of them is Eric Roberts is the fucking man, which you can find at ericrobertsistheman.com. We're uh, reaching our final uh, episode. We're up to 97, uh, and uh, we're finishing up with episode 100. So check us out while you still can, and also on Twitter at ERITFM. And if you like the <laughs> the superhero team from Canada, uh, the Marvel superhero team Alpha Flight, you can find me on The Flight Stuff, uh, which you can find on Twitter at Flight Stuff Pod, or on all your usual uh, podcasting uh, locations. Just do a search for The Flight Stuff. You can also find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L. E. e why why uh i actually did i actually did a recent appearance that i want to i want to just kind of plug real quick i was on a recent episode of three black geeks which um you know i love those guys they sure. make me laugh like crazy mm-hmm. they're super fucking funny dudes they invited me on to do the best fucking swerve i've ever oh i've ever fucking been privy to so for a good solid month or two um, you know, before before the episode actually came about, they were promoting that they were going to be doing an episode about the color purple. Okay, okay, and that 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 they were going to have like you know, um, you know, leading African American, uh, you know, intellects, whatever you want to say. I forget the word <laughs> scholars on to talk about the African American experience in America and talk about you know, uh, like basically trying to appeal to the intellectual side of their audience. Sure. And that, but, but instead they had my fucking ass on to talk <laughs> about absolutely nothing. Uh, we, we actually, well, we talked about, um, we talked about the guy from Harlem. Oh, right. Of uh, course. Yeah. And, guy from uh, Harlem. Yeah. He's a bad <laughs> cat. Or whatever. Guy from Harlem. You know, and it was just a fun, hilarious, surprisingly serious on a couple of notes on a couple of moments. It was surprisingly serious, which I did not expect because I'm never fucking serious when I talk to those guys. Uh, But check that out. It's, it'll be listed as the color purple. Uh, That's the episode I'm on. It's, uh, it's a hoot. It's a, it was just such a a fun time. (laughs) That sounds, that actually sounds really fun. It really, really was fun. I do want to mention as well that we uh, do still have a Patreon, uh, obviously, since this episode was a Patreon subscriber's choice. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes, and it's on our website as well. There will be Patreon-specific live streams happening in the future. We, yeah, yeah. We sp- let me, just, let me, let me yeah. just cut in here for a second. If you're a Patreon subscriber and uh, are a member of our Facebook group, do us a favor. Send us a message, um, or if you're on uh are the discord already send me send me a message uh we have a special uh role set up um within the group for patreon subscribers so yeah uh, so so let, let me know and i'll set you up on there as uh, as a patreon subscriber so that way you have you know slightly more things you can <laughs> do on there than than the average joe one thing that we talked about last year uh, was kind of a list, uh, a gauntlet of movies that we've covered on No Budget Nightmares. And I'm going to try over the next couple of months maybe to set up an evening, one of these upcoming evenings, where we are going to give people the opportunity to live stream with us the, I, I know I haven't cleared this with you yet, Mo, a 
semi uh, no budget nightmares marathon of movies, which really kind of run the gamut of the best and worst we've ever featured here. Sure. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time, and now that we have the technology to just about allow for it, it's something that I'm going to try to put together in the very near future. But yeah, if you want to run the gauntlet, check out our Patreon now and get on board. Yeah. Mo, have you seen any interesting movies lately? And I have to say, by the way, there's lightning hitting all around me right now. So if I disappear, <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, have I watched anything particularly interesting? Not really. <laughs> it's Honestly. been a month, Mo. <laughs> I know it's been. I know it's been. A, it's been a month. I mean, I've watched stuff. I can't really remember specifics uh, that were particularly interesting. Um, I mean, I watched Observe and Report today. Um, you know, not exactly a new film or anything like that. I'm still way far behind with stuff in the theaters. Uh, I honestly, I've, I've been playing just video games, you know, now, now that I've got my new rig, I can play games on my PC as sure. well as, mm-hmm. as the PlayStation or the Xbox, you know? So I've been trying to teach myself how to, uh, how to WASD, you know? Oh, sure. Um, of course. You know, mouse and keyboard it. And I've discovered that the game that I wanted to play the most on pc i fucking can't because i just can't fucking master the controls for it (laughs) it's it's so much more intuitive for me to play that with a with a controller um you know that's dead by daylight i just i don't know everybody says oh nas and keyboard's so much better but i just can't move my hand fast enough to fucking react in time i'm an old man too believe me. yeah exactly like like anytime i get hit by the killer i'm like oh get off my lawn you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but everything else like i'm so, i i've been getting fairly adept with um you know like first person shooters and stuff like that because yeah the mouse aiming is so much better um but other than that no just been playing games for the almost exclusively well, IMO have been enjoying the Criterion Channel, which just recently launched, um, and nice. they it's it's their lineup is really amazing. They have this whole collection of Columbia film noir. Uh, the, holy fuck! All right, that one is super close. <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking heard that. Uh, so yeah, so there's they have all these wonderful old film noirs and some some pretty uh, unknown ones, and I've been working my way through it. Uh, it was so you know I do, highly do they recommend. Have the, uh, do they have the Criterion version of RoboCop? They don't have the Criterion version of RoboCop yet, but they mm. like they they have movies that are not Criterion specific on there mm. as well, and they're you know adding stuff every month, and they have interviews with like uh, Bill Hader and Guillermo del Toro where they do intros to different movies that they love. Neat. So I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. Highly recommended if you're into classic, nerdy, Euro trash like some people around here. So pretentious. <laughs> so pretentious. Mo, I got to get out of here before I get electrocuted like those yeah, people yeah. in that movie. Um, we'll be back very soon, less than a month, with Terror at 10 Killer. Good night, everybody. Good night.